Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is April the 29th of 2020. And uh, yes, so it is. It am. It is. I feel like if I make my eyes really big, I can add a new level of intensity to this podcast that we've henceforth been missing. I don't know why. This, do this, this is also a gag that only works to the people who are watching the video yeah, on yeah, yeah. Twitch, so I don't know why we're doing it. Yeah. Nick, let's abandon this bit. Let's come up with a new one. All right. You're All right green- in the trash it goes. It's gone. Yep. It's dead. You're a green grocer. And green grocer? What the fuck's a green grocer? I think it's like a British grocery bag person. I'm not All sure. All right, then I'm a grocer now what I am. And I'm Robot Hitler. <laughs> 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 Golden Tog. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Nick, come on. Yes, and. <laughs> what? How are we meeting exactly? <laughs> I am here for groceries. Cheerios. Oh, so I am, I am. <laughs> Wait a minute, you're not British like me. You're a robot Hitler, you are. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> Just ignore the mustache and the, the SS uniform. And the sparks flying out of my brain. <laughs> Those are unrelated. Or maybe I'm like Wolfenstein uh, Hitler, where I'm in like a robot suit with like <laughs> chain machine guns for arms. You will ignore. You will allow me to. <laughs> you will allow me to use this coupon for fifty percent off. It expired last week, Mister Hitler. <laughs> I need directions to Zapata, Nazi top kind, Zapata stick kind, please. Uh-huh, you said Nazi top. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. All right, now we've, yeah. All now, right. Now, yeah, we got it, guys. Let's bring it home now. Podcast is wrapping up. Uh, so we have manga to talk about this week. Uh, both chapters that came out in the past several days, and even chapters that came out by this time last week, but uh, we didn't have you know regular weekly series to talk about. Uh, so we just kind of left them alone. So there are going to be uh, one or two chapters here that you might be like, well, why are you only talking about that now? Well, that's because you didn't watch us do a tier listing for all the characters in One Piece. Yes, definitely all of them. Don't tell Every me there were any one. more than were in that long fucking list of characters that we had to just throw into. I don't know who this is. Uh, so we were, so we recorded that last week instead of doing a regular episode. You can check that out. Uh, I believe that the Switch we're recording is available still. Uh, and yeah, so we've still got like, I think Spy Family and Boruto both came out last week that we're talking about, and we might do something else special next week because last week it was because, uh, Jump, uh, had to shut down for a week because of, uh, one of their employees getting sick. Uh, this week, however, it was, is a regularly planned break because it's golden week in Japan. So again, no chapters. So we might do something else. Uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, anyway. uh, we'll 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 dig into the the prop closet of weekly manga recap go tos on weeks where there's not material, and we'll dig out a very funny hat uh, that we can entertain you all with. 
the funny app being like a Q&A or something. I don't know. I kind of lost the analogy after a little bit, guys, but we'll have something. We just have a hat that's kind of silly looking uh, that we talk about for two hours. Yeah. I have the, I get that big blue hat from back in the yeah. old days. I'm just talk like, about we analyze its history. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually. And you're like, you know what? This is not the same blue hat as in that picture. <laughs> yeah, this is a different hat, but I did purchase it after the fact because people wouldn't recognize me without it. <laughs> <laughs> Some would say it was the only and lasting impression I had on that website. <laughs> <laughs> I legitimately, the other day, I tweeted about this, but I legitimately, because I'm a big fan of Todd in the Shadows' work, I was mm-hmm. watching one of his videos, yeah. and I got to an episode, and I cameoed in it, and I... I completely forgot that I cameoed in it and I had to turn off the episode, Nick, and bury it and stop watching because I was like, nope, this is too shameful. I could never be exposed to this part of myself again. Oh, <laughs> and then someone had the nerve to be like, you, you cameoed again later on. And I was like, <laughs> I don't remember that either. And I refuse to keep looking now. So I, I, I only followed Tom the Shadows from like. 2014 onward now i know at that point his quality had risen to the point he stops associating with us oh <laughs> oh boy um todd's a really nice guy he's a great little... dude yeah <laughs> anyway but i i, I like that you know. dick ben's eye <laughs> can't catch me fatty because <laughs> <laughs> the end of game of Thrones for me you fucking prick no. <laughs> anyway, um, I was going to mention how like there are many things I don't remember from that era, but I'm just going to move on. Oh, uh, we have manga to talk about, Chris. We do. All right, we're gonna kick off with My Hero Academia, chapter number two hundred and sixty-nine. Uh, so, um. Mirko's in really, really bad shape. I must not have paid enough attention to this panel because it, it's currently the panel that's sitting like open in front of me. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is like I know we kind of talked about like a couple weeks ago to ask to add that pose that was like the new Yamcha pose. This is slightly worse than that. Like one hand almost seems to be up like, uh, uh, and then just oh, like got- a portion of her ribs are gone and just bleeding out. There are holes in her body. Like, it's really grim and gruesome to look at. I can only imagine that this is like one of those shots that, like, you see it show up in the anime and there's, like, a glow over the injured bits because they're so gruesome. So I can only imagine there's going to be some discretion when this gets adapted into the anime. But, yeah, she's still, of course, missing her arm. But, like, part of her legs are, are like, blown off. There, there's little holes in her body everywhere and her ears are one of her ears is torn up and stuff. So Endeavor is, comes across her and he's like, uh, I'm going to cauterize your wounds. So you don't bleed out. Uh, somehow she's still conscious and is still thinking about, you know, what they've got to do while they're there. As we kick off chapter 269, the three of us. Just the three of us. That's not how that song goes. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. Uh, but the vicious female Nomu that uh, has been fighting this whole time uh, comes across them and tries to jump down towards them uh, as they're still fighting going on between the high-end Nomus and the heroes that are there. Turns out that Crust is apparently a, 
he's a crier, it looks like, because he starts crying as soon as he hears that Mirko's alive. He's like, oh, you're alive. It's like, okay, you're crying. Okay. Well, they're best friends, Nick, obviously. Obviously. Crest is a very important character with a lot of deep, important. interesting traits to him. He summons shields from his body. He's so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anyway, fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. We we learn what not Cyclops' name is, Chris. He's the eye gun hero. Exless. Xless, Xless, not an X Man, not an X Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like Xless. I, I, I mean, he doesn't even. I don't have... get it. Is it? Does he have? Does like his real name have every letter in the alphabet? But X is <laughs> that'd be a great name. I mean, it would reveal your secret identity really quickly. My name is Zebekadia <laughs> Stephen Arbunny. <laughs> Well, I'm also like I could kind of because he's got like he's got like kind of the sash over one eye, and you're like, oh, okay. But then he doesn't have the other side, so it doesn't make an X. And nothing on his costume looks like it makes an X. Oh. So I don't know what Xless means. Maybe this is one of those, like, fan-submitted hero concepts like Bubble Girl was. Where, mm. where it's like, you find out about that, it's like, oh, yeah, that's why that's a weird-looking hero with a weird name. So What if he's Xless? Because he's never watched pornography in his life. Like, he's without X's. He's the R max. He's the R at most hero. Mm, Excellent. Yes. R at most hero. Excellent. He's like, I can also shoot eye lasers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. But the fact that you've, like, literally never watched anything adult rated is kind of weird. Like, not even accidentally or anything like that. Like, no, if I even think that the screen is going to show me pornography, I laser gun it before it can show me anything. (laughs) As soon as, as soon as, like, anything resembling a saxophone starts playing, (laughs) gone. (laughs) I destroyed so many TVs back in the 90s when Val Venus was coming out. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) No! Not today, Satan! So many WWF pay-per-view events, I just had to, you know, find out what happened the next night because in the middle of the card, TV blew up. (laughs) Had to throw away so much money. Such a waste, you know? I don't know why I kept on watching it, honestly. (laughs) Oh, thank God those heroes. (laughs) Thank God those heroes, the right to censor showed up. Yeah. (laughs) Eventually they got. He's like the one guy in the audience who's like, yeah. RTC! <laughs> Woo! I love this group! It's not lame at all! <laughs> you hear like that. He's like, yes, yeah, my jam! Was there ever a reason for why Bulk Buchanan joined it? Like, um, the Godfather became the Good Father, Val right. Venus was to remove the porn star gimmick. Right. And in my mind, I'm always like. Ivory got, uh, got indoctrinated to. And in, but... in my mind, I always think. And then Billy Gunn was in the group, and I'm like, no, oh, they oh, no. just that they just made more sense. Yeah, they just beat him and made his made him change his name for Mister Ass. He didn't actually join the group, and I'm like, but there was a fourth one, and they're like, it yes, was. the hidden blind spot in WWE history, Bull Buchanan. Yeah, he, I think he was, I think he won a tag team championship while he was with them. But he's. But, just, it feels like he's just so much of a part. You're like you always forget. You're like, remember when John he, Cena he, used to hang around with him, and he B-squared, called himself B squared. Yeah. You're like, yep. yeah, now I do. Holy shit! He was brought in as Big Boss Man's apprentice, basically. Yeah, yeah. 
he was part of the what were they called the truth commission that was it <sighs> don't yeah. even know it um anyway Bobby Cannon's story was apparently in a random like interview segment he said that it's because I've got kids at home and and daddy doesn't want to feel ashamed of, of, you know, the company that he works for. So he decided to fix it so that he could look his children in the eye. Yeah, that's the <laughs> lamest reason to join the group. Because I was a pimp and then realized I was wrong is a way better reason than because it's bad and I wanted to not be bad. So. Terrible. Anyway, anyway Bobby, we're on page five of the first manga we're talking about this week. I anyway, guess. Bobby Cannon had an awesome theme song. All right, so Exodus is there. There's fighting with the Nomu that's going on, and uh, they, meanwhile, the heroes are saying to each other that they need to uh, go and stop Shigaraki from reviving. Aizawa's going to stay and deal with the Nomu because otherwise they'll get their quirks back and, and run roughshod over the heroes. So. It's up to present Mike as just as Dr. Uchiko is going to, you know, put in the important data chip or whatever to complete the revitalization process or whatever. Uh, present Mike shouts really loudly and shatters the tank. Uh, Shigaraki's body comes pouring out with all the water inside of it. A bunch of the machinery gets fucked up. Uh, and then he just starts rushing towards the doctor and he gets a flashback where he thinks about how he and Aizawa were planning to go together in order to do something about this and, you know, try and pre- preserve that naive dream they had as kids. And uh, so President Mike's like, now to find out if you're the real doctor or another double. And he fucking punches Ujiko across the face and it's a really satisfying image. DJ punch! Because, you know, I've got sound powers and I shot really loudly, but regularly punching someone, that's got a technique name, too. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, Ujiko is uh, knocked to the ground, of course. Crust goes over and checks on Shigaraki, sees that he's, body- his- he's basically dead. Uh, his heart has stopped and he's not breathing. And Ujiko explains that he is in a death-like state to better withstand the burden of the process. And he starts to freak out and cry because I've only been living for the boy's sake, for Shigaraki, but now it's over. It's all over. The Lord of Evil's dream will die. How can you think you're on the right side when you refer to your boss as the Lord of Evil? (laughs) It's like one of those like He-Man things. Like only evil will triumph. Like, why do you? Why are you? Why are you saying? Why evil? you guys consider yourselves evil? Don't most villains see themselves as the heroes? I have a skull for a face. <laughs> uh, but all, all the rest of the heroes from outside are charging in. Uh, more heroes show up to deal with the remaining Nomu, uh, and it seems as though the heroes are on the brink of beating the bad guys. But Shigaraki and, as we cut over to him in his prison, uh, all for one, both seem to be grinning. So, ooh, what do they have up their sleeve? What What's going to happen when, with Shigaraki, Chris? You know, Nick, I'm going on a limb. I'm going to say Shigaraki's not dead. I think he might actually still be alive. Well, he's dead. He's in a death-like state, so presumably he's just comatose. But I bet, I bet he's coming back. I'm going to go out. Nick, take this bet to the bank. You go up to your local bookie right now, who's, of course, taking manga-related bets, and you say, Shigaraki's not dead. 
I'm betting my life savings on it. I didn't. I mean, I wouldn't bet my life savings on it, but okay. <laughs> Just for like the one time Orko, she's like, eh, no, I decided not to do the obvious thing. No! <laughs> but my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> my home. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, it's it's a very basic, basic, just, you know, action-heavy chapter, mostly featuring characters that I really don't care about. But hey, it was really satisfying when President Mike punched that dude in the face. I'll give it that. So, Yeah, I, I'm getting a little tired of Ukio gets beat up being kind of like a big emotional point in chapters. It's happened for like a month straight, so I'm kind of looking forward to the big stuff happening. And I'm much less interested in this side of things than I am in the stuff involving Hawks. Um, because, you know, that has like the characters that we're way more familiar with. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Actage. Hey. Scene one ten. Advertisements. I so. like the color page, like the the title page, because uh, I thought, and I guess I was mistaken. I thought she was bringing the Zack Ryder pants back into style. One, one, the one pant one, leg. One long leg, one short leg, or the Ruby Riot, I guess. Uh, uh, style <laughs> as well. That she's employed and he isn't. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the one to go with. He's Where, like. Uh, I ha- I I didn't wear those tights for like ten years. Like they're still the Zack Ryder pants. I'm Don't like you, I'm always. Ne- you'll never escape this. <laughs> Anytime I see them, that's immediately I'm like, oh yeah, like the 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 woo 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 guy. <laughs> that's what he wore. <laughs> uh, so they're shooting a commercial. Uh, Kay and little girl whose name I still haven't re- memorized. <laughs> But uh, even though they've sh- they've shot the commercial uh, and the director seems pretty satisfied with the first take, uh, they're like, all right, good. But Kay's like, I mean, I don't I this isn't working for me, though. I don't get this. Why am I running? Why am I upset? Why does drinking the water make me feel good? And I'll, I will say, Chris, this was actually probably my favorite chapter of actors that we've like read while doing the recap of it because she's basically just like man commercials don't make sense dude (laughs) outside of like we're pitching this product like what is this narrative you're telling who is my character and it's like we don't care go out and back them but that's not how i act though (laughs) and i do appreciate that this is like a thing that k could not have done at the beginning of the series because she didn't have enough clout. She would have just been fired, you know? Yeah. Um, but because she's like, you know, she's the one that the producers want for this and she's got, you know, her, they've got to deal with her artistic eccentricities and that's it. And so it's something they have to actually manage and they can do, and they can ask these kinds of questions and stuff. So Kay is trying to get some better direction. She's trying to figure out like what kind of aim should I, should I be, what am I trying to accomplish with all this and stuff? Um, and she, you know, says to the director, like, you know, you approved that take. So what, what, why, what's, what's going on? And Arisa eventually gets frustrated. And she's like, look, the director's word is absolute. Just do as he says. And Kay is like, all right, I'll rethink my character director. Tell me what you were feeling when you came up with the story. And the director's like, well, I didn't come up with the story. Our company did. Uh, so, you know, there's just a bunch of people basically, you know, basically threw a bunch of, you know, uh, 
of the of the tags to for a successful commercial into a blender and churned it out. And that's how it was made. And so she Kay realizes, well, how am I supposed to empathize with that, though? There's no person who can tell me what the fuck I should be feeling or trying to do. But she says, I'm sorry, I can't give a performance that doesn't make sense to me. And Arisa says, your personal feelings on the matter are not our concern. You have to deliver the performance you're asked of as a professional. That's what it takes to be a star of the masses. But we get a flashback from Arisa's perspective of Akira complaining to her, my cheeks hurt from smiling for the cameras all day. And basically, you know, if you want to be a star this way, you got to fake it. You got to fake that enthusiasm and fake that happiness. That's what uh, being a being a being a Hollywood star is like, Chris. Yeah. And Kay's just like, it sounds like you want me to be a mechanical doll. Which is like, yeah, yeah, kind of. You know, they want her to just do the thing the way I want it to be done, basically. Uh, but Arisa says that she actually wants her to learn how to fight in this world. And she says, hey, you know, what's the purpose of a commercial? You know, it's an advertisement. It's to introduce something to someone uh, when you and Kate realizes when you want other people to enjoy something you love. So my job is to get people to enjoy something, i.e. the water that I love. So she takes a drink of the water right there and she's and she's like, this is kind of bland. I don't like this water. It's, it's not very tasty. <laughs> what? All right. I, mean, I don't know what the fuck they're doing to this water. I'm like, how do you fuck up water? I don't. And again, I have had vitamin water that's flavored. Like, if you've, I remember that. Um... Okay, so I used to work at a at a ballpark, Chris. Yes. Um, for only about a summer, and uh, oftentimes we would eat like right before going down into the. Uh, you know, the actual proper stadium area to work. And so there was this cooler in the AV booth where I worked and it was full of soda. And like the only non soda in it was like vitamin water. Dragon fruit flavored vitamin water. So I feel like it is gravely a crime to call that water like you have to call that Gatorade, right? Like Gatorade doesn't brand itself as water generally. I know there's some versions they probably do. Oh, dra- wait, dragon fruit flavored water? Yeah. Ugh. That sounds absolutely horrendous and unpleasant. And uh yeah, I mean it it is just like Kay says in this, sweet and sour and kind of bland. Like it I, I I tried it a couple of times and I was like, I should just drink the soda because like, I mean, I can't be drinking, quote unquote, water that's making me go Ugh, every time that I drink it, you know, even if it's like better at hydrating than soda is. So it's also one of those things, too, where that water is probably super bad for you. It's super. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I've switched from drinking any soda to drinking tea. I'm still very much aware that there is caffeine and sugar in this. There's just not as much. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so Kay thinks to herself, all right, I have to learn to love this product as part of developing my character so I can actually shoot this commercial. And the director's like, 
I mean, you don't need to do that. So Kay says, well, who came up with share water? This product we're trying to sell. Like when I cook, I imagine the people I'm cooking for. So I would like to understand the intent of the person who made this. Why didn't they make it tastier? <laughs> so they're like, I mean, the product was made like 40 years ago. So they're retired now. I don't know. And she's like, and Arisa speaks up and says, please call them. Get the developer on the line so that Kay can talk to them. And they get the developer on the line and Kay's speaking to them. And she's like, yeah, nice to meet you. I'm an actor. We're on location shooting a commercial for your product. Uh, the thing is, the water's not very tasty. <laughs> the person like, starts laughing immediately. And so there are producers there who are like, what should we do? And um, But Arisa says to uh, the, the little girl Satsuki, you know, pay, pay close attention to this. And she thinks to herself, an actor who can't lie has stepped into the acting arena. You're going to encounter a lot of contradictions, confusion and roadblocks. You and I will learn how to fight together so that no one's cheeks hurt anymore. So, like I said, I actually really like this chapter. Nick, so. this is a fantastic chapter of Act Age. No, wait, no, I'm sorry. This is the dumbest chapter of Act Age I've ever read, Nick. <laughs> uh, I, look, I'm going to start with this saying. Our I have, paths diverge. <laughs> I felt so, I, I am incredibly lame. I am incredibly lame, and I I hate myself. I was reading this chapter, and I actually legitimately really liked it. I, I liked Arissa saying, like, hey, look. And, and she's trying to help, where she's like, hey, commercials are basically just recommending something to someone else. So if you need to imagine, why would you do all this? If, imagine that you're recommending this to somebody and that's your that's your in that's your go to. And I was like that that works. It's a good way for her to function her her method acting. That's not like dangerous or cruel. I I'm absolutely for it. And then Kay's like, hmm, can we get the creator of water on the line? And the moment that it wasn't immediately no, get off this set. You're fired. You turn the page and they're like, hello, Mister Water. I audibly scoffed. Like I was like. Pfft. And I just like, <laughs> like I audibly scoffed alone in my room to myself. And I was like, that's the lamest thing I possibly could have done. But I was just like, this is the dumbest thing I'm reading. Uh, I think that that part of it is a really weird thing, but I think it's worth it for her to say to the person who made to the product. Yeah, I don't like it. It's not very good. Why are you laughing? <laughs> so, um, I think that it is fun that we have a, you know, a more minor thing going on, but that also deals with an issue that Kay, as eccentric as she is, is going to have to deal with if she's going to be an actor. Because acting is, when you break it down, lying. It's performative lying. It's pretending. It's playing pretend. And sometimes you can pretend something that you really believe in, but sometimes you just don't have that option. You know, what's going to happen if someone ever looks at Kay and is like, you would make a really, really awesome bitch, in, you know, in a, in a story. And he's like, and she's like, well, I would never act this way, though. There's nothing in this person's life that would make them act this way. So why would I do this? It's like, well, that's because that's the, you know, so that's a challenge for her. And, you know, 
it is said that, you know, among salesmen, those who are best at their jobs are those who actually really believe in the product they're trying yeah. to pitch to someone. So the fact that Kay has been asked to do that and it's for a product that she really doesn't believe in uh, is something. And I kind of wish that that had honestly just been the first challenge that she came up against. Like when they're ta- when they're tar- doing a take of the product, uh, they're just you know shooting the commercial and she drinks it. She's just like, it doesn't taste good. You know, like, and that's like the beginning of the troubles, I think, would have been a, a better way of doing this. But um, I, I actually really like this. And uh, I am glad that, as we mentioned at the beginning of it, this is not a matter of like she has to delve into her deep seated feelings of hatred that she's buried and stuff like that. So I the only thing I'll say, this is the only time for the most part, I've generally been pretty OK. Uh, with Kay, but this is the only chapter where it's like, I this is making me hate Kay as a character. <laughs> I'm like, this is so you're so fuck like, can you do nothing? Like, I don't understand how you're an actor if there's no level of imagination possible in your mind to let you like pass something once you get the method down. Where she's just like, I can't possibly tell people water is good if I if I don't generally like the taste. I'm like but you got the line in. You're just recommending it to some, you know, whatever. Anyway, so let's move on to Spy Family Mission 25. Little kid politics are going on, Chris. <laughs> that's that's yeah. I remember my uh, kindergarten being pretty cutthroat as well. I mean, it could be certainly <laughs> might be. I blocked out a lot of stuff in my childhood. <laughs> Definitely a great. That's definitely only a positive sign. Anya is going to school, and uh, I I like you know some of the narration that we get from Anya because she is you know still trying to get to enact mission, try to get along with Scion Boy uh, for world peace, and she says stuff in the narration like "Fear not, gentle reader, my battle for world peace continues. For the sake of my mission, I have brought a secret weapon." And uh, so they got a family photo taken. And uh, so that, so it has bonded. And she's like, oh, but this, you know, I can I can use that as an excuse for Scion Boy to get a glimpse of it. And then we could have, you know, our our dogs compete and then I'll visit him and we'll get along and, and the mission will be a success. And she's like, oh, no, I just dropped this super cool picture of my dog. Gosh, I am so clumsy. And they're just all the, all the boys are just completely ignoring her and Beck and her friend Becky's like, oh, Anya, you dropped a picture. Oh, my God, your dad's so hot. <laughs> like it does the whole thing where people's turn into hearts and stuff. So I guess we learned a little something else about Becky's personality. Yeah, she's real hot for older men. Mm-hmm. She's into I guess that, that dad is- hot. I guess that Lloyd is a very traditionally handsome guy, so... Sure, why not? You know? He, he's got uh, everything... If that's his guy. real face. Yeah. Uh, and they got, like, such a cool dog. Yeah, I can see why it happened. But they go to class, and it's uh, art, cra- arts and crafts class... T- arts and crafts class time. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, with... Um, who is it? Penri- Henriksen? Hendrickson? 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 I think that's the older, distinguished, elegant gentleman. And uh, so 
He says that uh, they're all going to be creating 3D models uh, of animals uh, for this. And uh, it's also said that um, they're going to uh, basically if they if they do really well, they'll they'll get to earn a prize. Hooray. I think it'll be good put on display. Uh, I forget. I'm trying to skip through it anyway. Uh, of course, Anya and Damien end up at the same table. Who could have possibly foreseen this event? Uh, so Anya's new plan to try and initiate a dog conversation is to try to make a cool model of Bond. Fucking bug. Uh, out of, out of uh, the art supplies. Uh, Becky makes a cardboard human in the style of, of, of Lloyd, of Anya's dad. And like, oh, okay. Um... And <laughs> Henderson's like the the theme of the of the project is animals though, and Becky just says, "Master Henderson, human beings are animals." And Henderson's like, oh! <laughs> she she's got you there. She speaks the true true. So he's just he just leaves her alone, but uh, then Becky destroys the project anyway because she's like, he's way more handsome than this though. So, mm. uh, Anya finishes her model of Bond. It's not very good because Anya is not good at basically anything, it seems. Uh, and she puts the really weird model in front of Damien and is like, his name is Bond. And Damien's like, do you always name your garbage? <laughs> Which is the most cold fucking thing. <laughs> He's so ruthless. He cuts so deep. <laughs> so Anya's upset. Damien's friends ask him what he's making. And he's like, oh, I'm going to make a griffin for my family crest. Uh, he's like, oh, this, you know, I've, I've got to make it good. If I make it really good, then, you know, maybe my father will be proud of me. And... Uh, so he's like, yeah, yeah, that's gonna, that's gonna go. Uh, but, uh, Anya's like, I could help him make his griffin and then we'll start to actually get along. And, uh, he, she imagines, she kind of like tags onto Damien's fantasy of, uh, his dad being proud of him. Like, Oh, what if, what if he introduced me and then, Oh, we'll be friends and we'll go. Ha operation dog has become operation Griffin. Uh, so she volunteers to help Damien uh, make the project, supplies him with her. There's fucking bug. I will kill it. So <laughs> I nearly died when I was one because of insects. Don't don't judge me. So I'm not. I'm here to support you. I'm going to punch the next bug I see. Awesome. So. Oh, uh, no, it's on my mother's face. But I promise, Nick, take this, mom. <laughs> very important that you do this for me. OK, so. Uh. Anya offers all the paper that she's got left. Uh, and Damien's like, well, just fucking focus on your own model. And Anya's like, oh, I'm already done. She, she's very confident in her Bond model, I guess. She should be. It's an excellent masterpiece. So, um, so Damien's like, oof, 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 fine. And Becky's like, oh, I get it. Ooh, oh, love Master Becky. Yeah, as a. Uh, Got a mistaken impression about Damien and Anani's relationship, as I'm sure much of the readership for this manga does. Uh, so they're getting a little bit of help uh, make, putting stuff together. Unfortunately, Anya gets the idea instead of making wings for the Griffin to make jet engines. She is six. Uh, 
And so Damien gets upset, upset about this and is like, oh, it's everything here is ugly and mismatched. It doesn't have enough feathers to fly. He starts yelling at her. She starts to cry. Uh, Henry Hen- Henderson is like, that was not elegant. And how dare you? You're not acting like a gentleman. Uh, but Damien's upset because now this means that the Griffin is unsalvageable. And he's like, this isn't good enough. Um. So Anya goes over to him and is like, I'm sorry, I, d- I couldn't help you here. You can have this to make up for the wings. And she is like patched on a little ridge for the wings and is like, here, I turned it from I turned it from a dog into a girl griffin. And now maybe you can pair with yours. And he's like, well, what if I what do I need a second griffin for? Because if they have love, they can soar through the sky. Oh, yeah. So. Judge comes by, looking at all the different uh, projects that have been made and stuff, comes to Damien's horrifying-looking griffin uh, and the little baby griffin that uh, Anya made, and Damien gets notification that his art project won first prize. Henderson explains, They described your griffin as standing proud despite plucked wings, and it served as a powerful vision of our nation as it rebounds from war. Okay, then. Uh, They said they struggled to hold back tears at the symbolism of the cruelly slaughtered baby griffin you placed beside it. And uh, so Anya's like, aha, well, now your parents will be proud. And and Damien's like, I'm not going to show it to my parents. So Operation Griffin has failed. Poor Anya. Uh, Damien goes home, uh, contacts his butler Jeeves because of course his butler's named Jeeves. Why wouldn't it be all, all, all people who have butlers are butlers named Jeeves. It's just scientific fact. If you're named Jeeves, you're destined to be a butler. And, uh, while he's contacting him from, uh, the, the boarding house, he is asked by his butler if he's going to return for the holidays. But Damien says, no, father's not even going to be around, is he? Uh, and so he's just going to study and stuff. He starts to mention arts and crafts, but then he just trails off. And then he says, Hey, that thing at orientation where Anya punched him in the fucking face. They told father about that, right? Did he ever say anything? And Jesus like, yes, of course he was very concerned for your well being." And Damon's like, Oh, okay, thanks. I better go. And he please thinks himself, you liar. I know father couldn't care less about. And he thinks as he goes to rejoin his friends, if I want to please him and earn his respect, I have to be perfect. I have to become an imperial scholar. And then Henderson looks at the Griffins and is like, what? Why? Really? Okay. (laughs) Am I so out of touch? No, the judges must be wrong. (laughs) Uh, it's a fun little chapter. It's it's not Mm. a ton to really like latch on to or really think too much about. Uh, but I do enjoy it. There's a couple like silly jokes that are fun, and I guess we're getting more to Damien. It's a little disappointing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of as straightforward as the story tends to always be with this sort of character archetype, but, you know, it could still be executed for, very well. For such an off-the-wall series as this, he's a very basic character archetype. Uh, but yeah, and it is nice to see, you know, Anya's school cast getting a little bit of expansion because not just Damien, but Becky got a little bit of uh, uh, expansion to her character as well. So yeah, she's hot for Dilf. Uh, evidently, yes. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, Nick, let's talk about Boruto. Boruto. Or we could not, because it's kind of one of those weeks. It, um... Not a lot really happened in this, did it? <laughs> I, I'm really, like, it's... This is an extremely long chapter just filled with dialogue. It's almost yeah. nothing but dialogue, for the most part. And... I, I mean, I guess it's significant because this is explained with the uh, Osho Sutsi, Shuki, Osho, whatever Ots- their fuck their Ots- name is. Otsutsuki. Otsutsuki. Uh, it's kind of explaining them and what they're all about and the Otorukis and uh, all that stuff. Um, it's just, God, it's really long and it's just so much. And honestly, like, there's not a whole lot that is that we actually learn from this because it's more just what characters learn from this about like, Oh, well this person is possessed by Notsutsuki and this person is possessed by Notsutsuki. Okay. It's as though Kishimoto finished. Like he's like, God, samurai wrapped up. Do you mind if I write a chapter report? (laughs) Yes, sir. Mr. Kishimoto. The, then at the end of it, uh, or about halfway through, there is a confrontation between Jigen and Kashin Koji, and uh, they start to fight as Kashin Koji uh, reveals that he's yeah trying to betray him, and um, Jigen tries to uh, kill him uh, by stabbing him from behind after you know shrinking down, and he shows a bunch of you know like the the rods through his torso, but then. Kashinkochi uh, disappears in a puff of smoke because he used a shadow clone and uh, he just pops up a few feet away and is like, my motive is is simple. I have no interest in the shocker fruit. That was the big thing, the shocker fruit. It's, it was, but we knew about that from the end of Naruto anyway, so I'm not going to bother going into detail about that. Uh, and he says, from the beginning, I was created to kill you. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Yeah. Um. Hey. Instead of talking about this chapter, Nick, let's talk about the very exciting news that uh, our favorite series is going to be returning a little bit, as Boruto is going to be getting a crossover with Samurai 8, and the world cheers for the, finally, the the most ambitious crossover in media history is finally going to happen. How the fuck do you think that they're actually going to do that? Do you think it's just going to be like... Uh, on the others, just like on one of their many travels, just come to the co- to the planet where you know Konoha and all of them are. are and I, like, yeah, you guys are just a little speck on a fucking dust ball amongst many dust balls flying through the stars. And uh, I could blow up this planet if I wanted to. So it's going to be so weird if they do that because how do you accomplish that without making Naruto's world now feel small and lame? So mm-hmm. here's what I'm quietly hoping for. It's a normal chapter of Boruto until the very end. And we see that they're preparing a rocket ship and a family walks up with the baby and they're like, Jesus, this thing won't shut up. And they slam it. And they're like, Fah, see you later. Send the silent. And they send them into space. <laughs> and it's, it's sort of like Jacko at the very end. You're like, oh, it's Dragon Ball. <laughs> like, you see the baby fly up in the air. And you're like, ah, oh, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> so... But they didn't give the baby any food or anything like that. They were really no. trying to put an end to it. But 
you know him. He, he, he can't you can't put a good guy down. I mean, that was their their problem, though. Like, I mean, you know, if they had fed it, then it would have his mouth would have been busy. Yeah. Instead of fucking explaining things all the time, <laughs> explaining things wrongly. <laughs> I think that what they're going to do is they're going to show like a fight with one of the Otsutsuki and they're going to have uh, Kaguya's dimension hopping ability. And uh, they'll be done like, well, I could have just brought you into the acid dimension, but I decided to bring you here. And it's they bring them to the dimension where Samurai 8 takes place. Like, for what purpose, though? Like, for the characters because, to like... Because, <laughs> Chris, it's so dangerous and there's different stuff. See, it's way less dangerous. It's way more dangerous than if they just took them to the world that consisted entirely of acid. But, like... It's one of those things, too, where you're like, how the fuck do you cross them over? Like, you can't make it a cameo. This isn't like fucking Wild Force meeting SPD, and you're like, oh, okay, well, these two these two worlds were just collided. That combination, I don't think, even happened, did it? No. The season afterwards didn't have it. SPD never showed up with somebody else. That's right. Um, but it's like, you can't just be like, these are two different genres, but they're close enough that they'll work. You can't just be the like fact that you do that off the top of your head. <laughs> <laughs> Means I'm very cool is the end of that mm-hmm. sentence, I believe. Um, but it's it's one of those things uh, where you're going to look at it. And you're going to be like, I don't like how you can't just make Naruto a world that exists firmly in one planet and then combine it with something like fucking samurai 8 which is like a galactic world like space hopping adventure that that'd be like indiana jones crossing over with star wars like you can't really have them meet for too long without being like well you're wasting one or you're making the other feel really tiny in comparison some things are just not meant to go together yeah is what you're saying I don't know. I guess we'll see how it is. Also, as everyone in chat said, I, I did get it wrong. It's SPD and, and Dino Thunder didn't get a crossover, which was a real shame. Those were two good seasons. Hmm. Also, I don't think Operation Overdrive had a crossover episode. It was just they, they did. had they, um, they did it in Samurai. Though. Well, they did. Um, they they didn't have a crossover episode, but they did have the every like. 20 years of power rangers episode the one where like adam shows up and they got the oh god blake i think was his name from SPD. they had like five rangers come together to form like an impromptu team and it was like adam was there the black power I ranger thought that was mystic morph i thought that was mystic no force. mystic force did that. no it was in it was an operation overdrive because i watched that like i think it was a two-parter and i just remember sitting the entire time being like this oh, team- rpm was what i was thinking of oh rpm rpm didn't do anything because they tried to pretend they weren't power rangers for the most part right right they're like oh, operation overdrive RPM. the operation overdrive was the one where everyone was a dick yeah. yeah so and the theme song sucks fight me on it if no no one's gonna fight me on it this is a universal fact uh, operation overdrive has operation the worst theme song overdrive. I, th- right. I used to think RPM was a lame theme song, but it really grows on you. So I need to I need to try. I started watching it at one point and then I stopped. And I don't know. It's one of those ones that's like on my docket to like jump back mm-hmm. into. Also, All right. Hold on. I will say I'm very excited because I saw this Avatar Last Airbender is coming back to Netflix. So I'm going to be able to actually finish oh, cool. Avatar the Airbender. Nice. Nice. All it's right. Good series. 
We got two chapters of Eden Zero to talk about, Nick. Oh, we do. Okay, that's what. That would be why I was so confused in this one. <laughs> I was so, like, that fight ended quickly. <laughs> so we have two chapters to talk about. We're going to start with chapter 91, Hamora versus Sylph. And uh, we start What with... happens in this one, Chris? Well, we're, we're going to get to that. First, we had to talk about Pino's analysis of herself, where... I, don't, I haven't actually read this first chapter, because I just read the latest <laughs> one when I was catching up on you know, it It's not too bad. Uh Pino thinks very poorly of herself, with the exception of thinking she's very smart and also a rabbit? Question mark. Um, it's, it's kind of a weird analysis. Uh, so yeah, Self and Hamor are about to fight, and as many people have pointed out, uh, you can mostly sum up these chapters with wind, 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 fight, wind. Uh, it's really annoying. However. Is a little overblown because I will note when Hamora talks about wind, it's not really an issue. She's actually literally talking about the wind that is attacking her. Sylph, on the other hand, uses wind as a fucking metaphor for anything, I guess. I don't know. So it's very she's exhausting. Like a, she's like a smurf, but with wind. Exactly. Uh, so Sylph is making her wind suck up all these things. It's like dropping a bunch of debris in cars. Hamora's like, gotta dodge it. They, of course, dodge directly into the dance club where Sylph is posed as a dancer. Like, she has the mm-hmm. full-on, like, leg wrapped around the pole thing. And I'm like, why? I don't... <laughs> well, Chris, we learn after this that she has a chip, that she has chips embedded in her head, which... uh cause all of her emotions to uh be uh subdued so because she has no emotions she does this entirely pointless gesture i guess so it is very you're like seems like this is a waste of your time also for a character who's completely emotionless i can't understand why you would feel the needs to do a like entertaining pose uh, appropriate to the setting but whatever um we go over Sabir. Basically, it has the whole conversation with the other characters off screen, and they kind of connect there. I'm honestly, this I don't know why they brought Sabir back. I guess as a way to show he's still alive, but and also still a good person as opposed to being evil or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, he does explain. Fuck, I forgot about this. This is the dumbest fucking thing. All right, so he's like. Well, I had to do all this because of money that belonged to DJ Zombie, and I don't remember DJ Zombie brought up DJ Zombie before. But they're like, DJ Zombie, yeah. What 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 did he do? You're like, well, DJ Zombie found out about the money you had taken, wise, and he cut off your right arm. It was a punishment for stealing, and you stopped acting out after that. People even came to see you as a uh, you know respectable professor. And they're like, oh, really? Tell us more about them. He's like, well, DJ Zombie was a successful loan shark on the planet Gilst. And they're like, wait a minute. DJ Zombie, a loan shark on Gilst? That sounds like, yes, Draken Joe, a.k.a. DJ Zombie. <laughs> okay, so like I said, I hadn't read this chapter until I just now. This, the shot of Draken Joe. Like, with full, like, I'm evil with this beer and stuff like that. But then with headphones pushing <laughs> back. And he's at his freaking turntables and stuff with the hoodie. It's like, 
It doesn't go with your face, dude. <laughs> you made the character look so much lamer by being like, yes, the ancient moneylender who also in his part-time DJ for a bit, I guess. I, I All right, yeah, we'll, we'll get to this a little bit later. I was trying to remember, because there was a point I had about this chapter, and now I remember it, where it feels like we just constantly rewrite Dracon Joe's character week to week. Um, but yeah, so Dracon Joe Zombie, a.k.a. DJ Zombie, a.k.a. I guess that explains why he's undead. Um they just mentioned like oh wow so maybe he wants rebecca's power so he could jump back in time a bunch so he can get his younger body back she has seen him naked (laughs) she knows how good of a physical specimen he is he's not at death's door (laughs) he has alchemy powers Maybe it's all an illusion. You can just use alchemy to make it look like you have a rocket bod and super cool guys. <laughs> Every time. It's just, it's just reminding that they were like, Dragon Joe, DJ. What if he was an actual DJ and went with it? And it's so fucking lame, man. I don't know how you buy into that character now. This arc was so much better when we knew nothing of what was going on. <laughs> I hope like the next chapter is like, he likes to crochet and he's awesome. It's like, it's Dragon Joe in his DJ zombie outfit, grinning evilly while he knits a scarf. He's like, and he is, he was at one time a professional skateboarder because he's very cool. And you see him like doing a kickflip and they're like, yes. That's why he has the elemental four. The four elements as the four wheels on a skateboard. Like, or some shit and like that. And it's an air gear thing. <laughs> like, shit! He's following the element road! God damn it! It's back! Next chapter, Sylph's like, if only there were a screw to stop this wind. <laughs> and then her clothes blow off. Uh, so... Like, I'm not sure if that would have been... If, the, if they would have blown off normally if she hadn't said that, but okay. So, Self is like, we cut back to the fight with Self, and she says, the wind's color has changed. And I, I guess that's Hamora saying that. I don't know how wind really has color to it, but I guess it does now. And Self basically uses the attack and it cuts through Hamora's sword. And the explanation for this is... I raised my wind's quality level by one, which I guess is a thing you can just do. Don't know why she hasn't been doing it from the beginning, but hey. Uh, and Tamora's just like, I guess I'll do the same. I don't know. She just basically is like, all right, I'll create my own wind and does it. I forget how meaningless this exchange is. I guess... No, nothing comes as a result of it. Anyway, let's move on to the next chapter, chapter 92. The only one of the Element 4 that is at all interesting is Laguna. Yeah. Because A, his power set is a little more interesting, and B, there is an intent intent seemingly to keep him around. So... Uh, anyway, so let's talk about chapter 92, the Sword of Edens. And now we get Pino's analysis for Hermora. And uh, she is very high attack and defense, but her marksmanship is low. And she uh, doesn't shoot 
think she just slashes it. Uh, so. Also, Loki's kind of like, she's kind of a dumb-dumb. I mean, only two intelligence. I guess it's because she says what she's thinking out loud, but... It's probably it, yeah, honestly. I don't know. Uh, but her... But Chris. Uh, her Yamato, uh, Yamato fashion is fucking through the roof. It's five star. It's the best rating anyone's gotten, really. It's actually... We're in kimonos, I it, guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, I guess her fashion of never wearing pants, per se. Uh, so, because her wind was absorbed, Sylph is freaking out now. She's screaming, Drac and Joe, who absorbed me, I don't want to get absorbed. I'm scared, I'm scared. And then, as you mentioned, a little bebop, bebop robot is like, boop, emotion detected. Executing emotion suppression protocol. And you see self go for be like, ah, 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 and then back to being stoic. And, and then she gets in the pole and is like, mm. yeah, let's <laughs> do it round two. Um, Does Hero think that pole dancers don't have emotions? Uh, who knows? Maybe. You Maybe. Know? I feel like that's a very weird thing to say. Pole dancing doesn't even have to necessarily be sexual. It's an art form, just like many other forms of dance. Um, so that's, I think, why it's so odd that a character who expresses nothing would be the one to be posing on a, a dance pole. But so be it. You know, and, you know, because she has no emotions, Chris, she can paint, for example, incredibly deep effective works of art because only the best artists out there have no emotions well if act age has taught me anything nick it's that suffering for your art is a requirement so perhaps all the trauma she's experienced but she doesn't suffer it's suppressed chris yeah so they have to unleash that if she's gonna want to (laughs) be she's gonna want to be a good actress or whatever um self is basically like hey i'm gonna stop your wind only my wind of my brothers is allowed um, and then I forgot she follows it by saying your wind, I'll stop it for you. And you're like, shit, man, you have to, this is like, uh, fucking the more from final says, fantasy with zippers. And then she says your wind, it doesn't belong here. And then she says, <laughs> yeah, everything is your wind, your wind. Um, also I guess Homura gets caught up by the wind at some point cause her clothes get all torn up again. You got it? No. Damn it. Her her clothes get all torn up again and sucked away, or I guess the wind just cut her. I don't know. It's clothing damage stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, Self is like, she's too strong. And Hamora says, I'm one of the f- Demon King's four shining stars. Welcome me, Hamora, the Sword of Edens. And she does her big strike attack, and she seemingly wins. And we cut over, and which just beats Laguna. Just defeats They him. don't even really get a fight. <laughs> no. And uh, which says, we four shining stars dance to protect our family. Dance because we have no emotions. Yeah. <laughs> and then we cut over to Dracon Joe naked, looking very good inside of a tube. Uh, but then his arm shrivels up in a panel we didn't see and then expands again. Or Hero just forgot to draw it looking shriveled at first. And uh, he's like, oh, so they got the element four. I'm out of time. I got to get my power fast. <gasps> Wait a minute. Whoa, she must have awoken her powers. And then we cut over to Rebecca. And she's fucking talking. And then she's eventually like, oh, maybe Dracon Joe's too powerful. Maybe we should, like, 
avoid combat, return to the ship. And then the Billy is like, ah, I see now a journey to the path to maintain his health. I'm starting to see Dragon's deal. You want to defeat him? Sounds like fun. And Rebecca's like, what are you doing? What's what's wrong with you? With Labilia? And she's like, sorry, I'm not her. All right, I'll help you out. And it's uh, the same kind of like distorted face person we saw from back during the, the video game arc. Yes. So she's back. And this also explains why the fuck Labilia wasn't all beaten the fuck up yep. uh, when they found her in the cell. So, uh, I mean, honestly, it's like the most interesting thing that happened in these two chapters because... The fights were lamer than the ones that we had seen before them somehow. Uh, I, I don't actually mind the Hamora fight. Like, following the action-wise, it's not bad. There's zero strategy to it. It's literally, I got stronger. So did I. Slash. And the dialogue's horrendous. Yes. Um, I'd be fine if they killed Sylph, just so I never have to hear her talk about your wind again. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I still actually kind of like the speech that Hamora gives. I think that the art is pretty good for the most part, despite all like the weird clothing damage stuff that just felt like it had to happen because it's a hero it, series. It was a girl fighting a girl. What was going to happen? It was going to have to happen. Um, and I do like the end of the chapter with the return of that character. I can't remember if they were ever given a name or not. Um, I don't recall. But the the previous chapter was horrendous. Like, I don't know why... There was some need to uh, maybe DJ Zombie was something they brought up previously, and I just forgot about it. But if it wasn't, it felt like a weird new detail to add that was only included because Hero was like, Dragon Joe is cool. What else are cool? DJs are cool. What if Dragon Joe was a DJ? <laughs> You're like, ah, all right. You imagine, like, <laughs> they're in the club and they're like, hey, oh, who's that? Well, that's that's Dracula Joe. We call him DJ Zombie. Uh, he's uh, he's actually a criminal overlord, but he never kills anyone that could possibly be uh, because they could always be profitable to him. You <laughs> just killed that guy. Yeah, I mean, he gets angry sometimes. You know? <laughs> I mean, every guy's got his limits. Come on. That guy, that guy puts his socks on sock, shoe, sock, shoe instead of sock, sock, shoe, shoe. That's an insane man. It's fine to kill them. Also, I like the implication. That guy asked for the wrong for, <laughs> That guy asked for the wrong version of, of Despacito to be played. Like he had to die. <laughs> yeah, come on. This guy wants modern black eyed peas. That's absurd. No one likes them. <laughs> he said, "Give me." Modern- he wanted pre Phil Collins leading Genesis. Absurd. That's no one wants that. <laughs> you can't dance that. Uh, I do also like the implication that the only way to be a DJ is if your initials spell out DJ. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like he was DJ Zombie or something like, well, it just worked out. His name was Dracon Zombie. So truthfully, his name should be DJ DJ Zombie, to be yes. very clear. It's like uh, someone who's like, I mean, I was going to be a DJ, but I mean, my my initials spell DG. It's just not fair. I was so close. <laughs> Damn you, mom and dad. I mean, you could just change your name. You could just, you know, pretend. It's like, no, it's a lie. I'd be living a lie. <laughs> living a lie on the turntables. I refuse to do that. Wake up, Rick. Wake up, Rick. Like, what? <laughs> He's just like, I, I won't actually touch a real record. So I just have to kind of make the sounds with my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I just listen to a lot of Beastie Boys and pretend. <laughs> All right. 
Let's talk about that new one. New manga, Bone Collection, Chapter 1. Chris, you'll never believe this, but this manga is about yokai and the exorcists who fight them. I swear to God, the first page I saw it and I was like, all right, you got a real uphill battle to fight because this shit is fucking treaded territory, man. You are trailblazing absolutely nothing right now. I mean, we did what? How how long has Iguma been finished? Two months or something like that. Or last Sayuki even, where you're just yeah. like, like the story of like exorcist people who fight yokai is not a fucking There's, rare thing. It's very well covered ground uh, for shonen manga and jump manga, honestly, more specifically. Bone Collection Chapter One. I don't want to die. We get introduced to our main character. He is a yokai, a 16-year-old named Kazami Jinai. It turns out that he has basically no talent for being a an exorcist at all whatsoever. Uh, he's bad at studies. Uh, he's bad at most of the exorcism techniques. He's friends with a girl named Reno Tendo, and we find out that while basically uh, Kazami was like grandfathered into exorcist school, essentially. Uh, that Reno actually, you know, passed her test with flying colors and is actually, you know, a, a skilled up and up and coming uh, exorcist. So, for example, you know, Kazami is someone just uh, a shikigami and it's this, you know, doll sized thing. Reno summons one and she gets to ride it around like a fucking horse. But Kazami has a special technique that would allow him to be very powerful, but it is forbidden, a forbidden yokai spell. And he starts to cast down this harmless looking little yokai fluffball thing. And she drop kicks him for considering doing it because he has already gotten in trouble for doing it before. Uh, Kazami goes off by himself to think about it. He thinks about, oh, I could use that one spell. But he thinks when he thinks about doing it, he thinks about a kappa, uh, a little kappa named Kawano Shin. And as he's thinking about that, he's like, if I'm going to sit here and mope, I might as well buy a magazine with big boobs. And yeah, we have not a very large. I was going to say, we haven't talked enough about the fact that he's he loves a, boobs. He's a super big boob pervert. And also the only reason he has his job is because of the nepotism of his family. Yes. yes. He's not very likable for about the first two thirds of this chapter. Uh, a gateway, a yokai gateway opens up. Pretty girl falls from the sky. Kazami holds his arms out to catch her and misses her, and she falls flat on her fucking head, uh, which I feel as though was a missed opportunity. That seems as though it should have gotten much more of a focus on it for comic effect. Mm -hmm. Instead, there's a dramatic shot of her falling right in front of him, which is a cool dramatic shot. But honestly, just as much attention should have been paid to the fact that he misses her and she instead drops in her fucking head. So she, of course, is unconscious after this. So he picks her up to try and bring her somewhere, somehow not connecting the dots to realize that this girl who came through a, a yokai portal who has visible horns and long clawed fingernails is also a yokai. I guess because human shaped yokai are very rare, maybe. I don't know. Um, so it turns out because has been missing her for a while. His dad calls uh, Reno and she goes looking for him. Uh, the girl wakes up uh, while Kazami uh, is carrying him and uh, is like, hey, who are you? 
Oh, I'm Kazami. Where am I? Oh, you're in Japan. I did it! I got here! Hooray! And Kazami still doesn't connect to the dots, so she's like, I demand pancakes. This is my type of girl, Chris. She knows what she wants. <laughs> so he takes her to a Danny's. Not a Denny's. She eats pancakes. I don't know if it was a good idea to bring her to a Denny's ripoff, but I don't know. Maybe maybe they're they maybe they're a better quality in Japan. I mean, those are fucking fluffy ass goddamn pancakes. Look at that. This shit's like fucking eight inches thick of pancake per fucking pancake. That's absurd. So Zami's looking at her boobs. Because she's wearing a, a low cut dress. Mm-hmm. Uh and so Kazami is just going to, you know, like there and he's, he's like, what are you, Steve, would you like to do? And she says, you will be the minister of hospitality. And he's like, all right, let's go to let's go to karaoke. Let's go bowling. Let's go do this. Let's do that. And they just, you know, go around, you know, playing around and stuff. Apparently, Kazami's family is also loaded because he could just, you know, go around taking her to all these kinds of things all in one night. But anyway, eventually they're crossing the street together and the girl says, why do you assist me? Because I was like, well, because I can't. He looks at her boobs and then he's like, well, because I can't look the other way when people need help. That's my style. It's because she's got boobs. I mean, like, <laughs> but then we actually hit on, you know, a, a, the actual thrust of the chapter, which is the girl says, you are helping me because you look upon me as a person. Would you have helped me if I had told you that I am a yokai? And the light starts to change and she's still in the middle of the intersection. So he reaches out and takes her hand and rushes her across the street and says, it doesn't matter as long as we can hang out and be friends. Even if you are a yokai, I really don't care, which is unusual, of course, for an exorcist to feel. Uh, Another yokai shows up. It's big. It's ugly. It's a cyclops. uh, And it is very powerful, of course. So he shows up and he's like, I'm an awful monster. Oh, women. I love women. I love wanting to kill women. He picks up the the girl that uh, Kazami's been helping. And he's like, I'm going to squeeze you to death. And she's like, unhand me. And he's like, huh, I can't seem to squeeze her to death. Hmm. Well, that's weird. <laughs> I do like that he explains that his reason for going to Shibuya is he's like, I looked it up on Yahoo. Yeah, and you're like really weird. It like is the demon world's like only like search engine Yahoo. The horrible existence. I mean, you'd think that if they were in hell, that they would only have Bing. But you know, so hey, you know what, Nick? I used to shit all over Bing. Bing, fantastic way to look up pornography. You know, really? Yeah, it's oh, great. Fine. So, pro, pro tip for you guys. So, um, the yokai is like, what the fuck is, is with this girl? And then suddenly a small explosion puffs over his head, cast by uh, Kazuya. Uh, he then jumps onto its back and covers up its eye with his hands. And he's like, you ruined my date. Fuck you. And so he tells the girl to run away. And the demon just grows spikes from its back, impales him in a bunch of different places, throws him off. And uh, so he's not doing so hot because uh, I was like, oh, no, my life is flashing before my eyes. Keep the kappa shows up in his flashback again. The yokai realizes that he's an exorcist. And he's like, huh, you're really wimpy, though. 
Was that a spe- was that spell you cast before? You know, trying you trying to hurt me. You're a wimp. Wimp, 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 wimp. Wimp becomes approximately thirty percent of the remaining dialogue in this chapter. <laughs> in the when when we cut back to the present, so Kazami uh, flashes back to when he was very young, uh, and he had befriended this Kappa Kawanoshin, and so he says everyone was calling me a wimp. So I beat so I beat up the bad yokai and I borrowed my friend's powers and he's told you know told like that spell is banned borrowing a yokai's powers is one of the exorcist's most forbidden spells the yokai spell those who have used in the past eventually had their souls turned into yokai never to become human again and this yokai will eventually steal your soul so before that happens and they fucking executed the baby kappa well, Jesus, <laughs> that's dark. It's pretty brutal. And I do kind of like it as a way to explain his character a little bit more. I do think it's weird because we're directly comparing the two with the exact same motivation that he's like, well, someone was calling me a wimp. So I beat them up. And you're like, yeah. that's not the greatest motivation for it. It could be they were endangering people around me. Or they were beating up this guy who wasn't bothering anyone or something like that. Like, it's clear that that is the reason why he's doing it. But the reason he gives is, they're calling me a wimp. <laughs> wimp, 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 wimp. Um, so the girl cradles uh, Kazami's bloody body. And she's like, you're an odd fellow for an exorcist. Okay. And then the Psychops guy is like, who cares about that wimp? I want to fuck you, basically. And he's doing, like, roll on the arms motions with his forearms, it looks like. Not sure why, but he's doing it. Maybe that's the yokai way of saying, I want to kill and fuck you. I don't know. But Kazami raises up his hand and uh, grabs her boob. But then after grabbing her boob, he reaches inside of her body and pulls out a bone sword and by borrowing her yokai power. And uh, he stands up. He's got wild hair like he did in the flashback. Uh, he's got like some demonic markings on his face. And uh, he fucking kills the fuck out of out of the Cyclops yokai, uh, kicks it up into the air and then does a thing it's a little hard to tell what actually happens but he drives his sword into its stomach and crushes him into the ground and uh he observes like oh wow you're really strong because he has borrowed the girl's power so but he says i'm just glad you're safe though the girl starts blushing because she's immediately in love with this definitely cool guy who's a real pervert anyway uh so she introduces herself as a yokai known as a Gasha Dokuro, which is a real yokai. I looked it up. It's a giant skeleton, basically. Um, and uh, so he realizes, oh, that's a really powerful yokai. Oh, God, <laughs> you know, uh, but she says, I will grant you permission to call me Pyra. So, oh, they're friends now. But 
Kazami's still thinking like, is she a queen? What what if, oh man, if people find out I used the, the her powers, I mean, like back when I used Kawano Shin's powers, that was just an F-rank yokai. And I spent three months in prison. This little boy they threw in jail. Maybe the exorcists aren't good people, Chris. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's like, I'm, I might get executed as a result of this. And of course, at that moment, Reno shows up after exorcist and yokai have introduced themselves to each other i was really 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 hating this manga for about the first half it started to pull up out of that uh a bit by the end i would have really liked this probably if not for all of kazami's negative qualities being so blatant and shoved down your throat at the beginning because i think that this concept that this you know basic concept of He's, you know, an exorcist who can get along with yokai the way that most people can't is like, that's a fine premise to have. Um, but eh, I guess we'll see how this goes in the next couple of chapters. There's parts of it I kind of like. At first, I remember saying, I was like, I don't like the art in this series. And then I kind of started to think on it more. And I was like, I actually kind of do. I feel like in time with some like sharpening, I think it could be a really fun art style. And there is a part I kind of like of like, hey, he's going to take the power of Yokai and use that. Like, it's something kind of fun. Um, I, the thing that I really don't like is it's very annoying to me that his best friend, uh, she is the top exorcist in her class, and the Yokai he meets is the top tier of all yokai in seemingly anything and yet it looks like we're only going to follow the main character who's a privileged douchebag through this when it's just like i don't like i feel like we're just not going to see the other two of them actually get to do cool shit maybe we will this is the first chapter a lot of cool stuff could happen but in my mind i'm like that seems like a tremendous waste of fucking time if we're going to introduce two like super like potent characters to the side and not follow them. We're going to follow the least likable person in this scenario. Like, I'm not yeah. super into that story. He's not a very super likable guy. Uh, he definitely had his moments as the, as the chapter went on. But I'm really not looking forward to the uh, parts of the story where he is not meant to look good. Okay. Because I feel as though they're going to be... Coming hard and fast and regularly. That also feels like there is a strong feeling on the creative side that boobs are hilarious. Just by yeah. their nature, boobs are hysterical. What's the joke? He looked at her boobs. What's the joke? He touched her boobs. Okay. All right, then. Cool. So, uh, next we're going to be talking about Mashal, Magic and Muscles, chapter number 13. Uh, Mash Bandit and the man who fucking my computer froze. The man who believes, I think it's called. Uh, Matt Mash Vandre Mash Vandit. The man and who can't doubt. Can't doubt. Yeah. Right. I was trying to help so, you with the other part, and I couldn't read Mash Vandit, so I struggled over for a while. Uh, <laughs> um, doubt or Barrett. Let's call him. Let's just call him Barrett because that's easier. Uh, is still confronting what's his name? Fucking oh. screwhead guy, jerk face, but nobody likes. Is it Lance? No, Lance is the guy that they that he's friends with now. Anyway, 
Uh, crystal dude. Fucking drop my phone. Uh, so Barrett is thinking like, this is not great because this guy is clearly stronger than me. And Shroomhead over here isn't helping me at all. So how can I save the girl? And uh, the guy's like, you're you're a real letdown, you piece of scum. Uh, but I'm willing to give the two of you a fighting chance. How's this? If you endure five hits for my magic, I'll leave that girl alone. I'll even bet a silver coin because I wouldn't want to break the school's rules. So um, the girl starts to say, "This, that's crazy. You can't accept that. But Barrett's like, you got a deal. And he's like, fine, I'll take the hits because he's thinking like my body is the toughest thing that I've got. Uh, besides, he seems to specialize in defensive magic. Well, I can handle that. Um, so he's like, yeah, okay, it's just five hits. But of course, the guy's like, no, 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 it's not just you. Five for the mushroom, too. And Barrett's like, he's got nothing to do with this, though. But uh, he's like, well, you don't get to decide that. And Barrett's like, fine, I'll take his licks, too. Does that work for you? So he's like, all right, fine. If you want, if you want to take ten hits, all right, dumbass. So Mash starts to say something, but Barrett's like, no, no, this is my problem and I'll get through it somehow. So um, Spire of Crystalline Rock or whatever to the sternum. And immediately Barrett's just like, this is going to be bad. <laughs> Which oh, is, I should have done this. Oh, this this is mistake. such a, I mean, for, you know. A bone-crunching rock thrust to the chest. That's like such a great underreaction. Like eh, this is gonna be bad. <laughs> I shouldn't have done all five. Shouldn't have done all ten. That was a mistake. So after three hits, you know he's coughing up blood, but he's still standing, and uh, he says, "You know, I bet I look like an idiot because even I knew your offer sounded too easy. But because I'm an idiot, I can't doubt things like that girl's tears." So there's even kind of an un, like almost an understanding on his that he's like, yeah, that girl was probably trying to deceive me somehow. But I can't doubt that's not the kind of person I am. He's willfully, willfully ignorant, Chris, literally willfully ignorant. So apparently he's already taken nine shots because he's just like, all right, fine. One more giant fucking rock thrust to the chest, knocks him on his ass He's like, ah, you thought you could endure that? And Barrett stands up. He's like, you said 10 hits, right? And that was the last one. So, yeah, he really got got up from it. He's like, so you better keep your... Pro- uh, and he falls over. So, of course, the guy just says, how dumb can you be? You really thought you'd still be standing after getting thrashed by my magic? But Barrett just says, Shroomhead, take the girl and run. I'll find a way to hold him off. Blah! Another rock to the ch- from below because this guy's a dickhead. But the girl has now joined the, the guy and she says, you know, I know you're under my spell, but no one should be that desperate. And they're, you know, looking down on him. Um and the guy even says, you think you're the main character of a story or something? I mean, he, he does literally think that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. fair enough. But they say, at least you gave us a good laugh. Dissed by the girl you sacrificed yourself to protect. You're the sorriest excuse for a man I've ever seen. And then <laughs> there's a cream puff in his mouth all of a sudden, which apparently Mash just threw into his mouth for some reason. And he says, you two have gone... 
you guys have gone far enough. Bring it on. This time, I'll take your 10-hit challenge. Come at me, scumbag. So, yeah. Next chapter. Pretty straightforward chapter, but it was nice. Yeah, next chapter should be very good. Um, This chapter, I think, is meant to like us, make us like Explosion Guy a little bit more. Um, Mm -hmm. It is still a little bit strange because he had such a unlikable introduction that i still think it was yeah yeah it was very clear that the story wasn't on his side but i guess we're meant to be like all right he'll probably be a weirdo but we'll have like the likable side of him as well but uh i'm more excited to see mash just beat this guy up which is weird like i've, I've kind of firmly gotten into the side of mash now that's like i don't know who'll fight bad guys <laughs> all right mission yozakura family mission 33 nanao's medicine part two Sadly, it was only a two-parter, it turns out. Oh, well. Last time, uh, Basilisk, the snake in the biology lab, had swallowed some of Nanao's medicine, and Kitasato happened to be in the biology lab as it was starting to swell up and freak out. We see that happening in the beginning of this chapter, and then cut over to the roof, where freaking Taya was basically performing acupuncture on uh, Nanao. Uh, to try and help him out after all the various, you know, near misses that he's had. I do like that there is a note where he says, like, oh, I learned about pressure points from Ayaka for stabilizing stuff. So, hey, there you go. Um, But Nanao says, you know, I was really on the verge of just giving up on school, but, you know, I might be able to continue this for a little longer. So thanks, Brother Tayo. Uh, Then... uh, a couple more animals from the biology lab come up to the roof because turns out all the animals have escaped because something has been rampaging around causing trouble. What could it possibly be? And uh, they, when they arrive at the club to find out about that, Kitasato is unconscious on, uh, on the ground, but it turns out she's okay. She's just, she's just unconscious. Um, Nanao spots one of Basilisk's scales and it is tumorous. And so he immediately realizes what has happened, starts to blame himself. Uh, Kitasato wakes up and she's like, I have to find Basilisk. Uh, but she said, and although Nanao tries to stop her, she says, I remember the pained expression on its face. I've got to help it. And she runs off. Uh, Tayo says, go after her, Nanao. I'll take care of the animals as they're all biting him, basically. So he'll be fine. Yeah, it's all going to be okay. Uh, Kitasatsu heads to the boiler room because she immediately thinks like, I mean, this is usually where Basilisk goes when it escapes because, you know, it's a good place for a snake to hang out. Uh, And she tries to find it by, you know, she like is waving, you know, dead mice around to try and draw, draw it in. Basilisk lunges out of the shadows and tries to attack her and now gets her out of the way. And she realizes and he realizes what he's got to do about this uh, because it's his responsibility to stop it after causing this. Uh, He says to Kitasato as the snake lunges towards them. Thanks for everything. It allows it to bite down on his arm, which starts to and his entire body starts to swell up. As he says, I can neutralize the medicine with my mutated cells. So you'll be fine soon. Uh, Kitasato, meanwhile, can watch all of this happening. The snake is basically immediately cured after, I guess, he causes it to suck in agents from his body. Basilisk is okay. Kitasato goes and grabs him. uh, And he goes back to being her scarf. 
But Nanao has been carried off by Tayo, uh, who has shown up after everything. And Nanao's body is all swelling up and stuff. It's really bad. His swelling is basically um, as big as the rest of his body. So he carries him up to the roof. And uh, Tayo's body is swelled up from dealing with animals. I guess a little bit of levity. Because, you know, this isn't supposed to be a dramatic moment or anything. Anywho. <laughs> so uh, now says... I lo- I've completely lost control over my mutation, but you know, I've, I've, I've come to terms with it and he starts to take the vaccine out. But Tayo again says, I mean, you're not going to be able to return to, to normal after this. And now says, well, I mean, Kitasato saw me like this anyway, so it's all right. I was able to keep going until now because of your help. So I have no regrets. He starts to get the syringe ready. Um, Tayo tries to stop him, but he, when Nanao tries to brush him off, he accidentally knocks him on his ass and he's like, see, I can't control my own strength anymore. Like, I, I can't do I can't hold on anymore. I'm not normal. And this normal life I was pretending I could have is over. He goes to plunge the syringe into his body. But Tayo stops him again, actually seemingly um, takes it, it through the hand, which is pretty nasty. Like, I literally kind of like twinged up when I saw this the first time. So he's like, hey, come on, you know, calm down, do that thing that you do, you know, recite your uh, gene code and calm down like you always do. And he starts to calm down and his swelling goes down. And Tayo says, hey, you know, I had a younger brother, so I know you're a normal younger brother and your older brother here is going to be by your side. So there's nothing to worry about. You did good and I'm proud of you. It's like, oh, they called back to that thing that hasn't been mentioned since like chapter one. (laughs) (laughs) That he had a brother before this. Um, Kitasato shows up on the roof. She's collecting all the other animals that have escaped. And Nanao and Tayo look over at her and they're like, how long have you been here? And she's like, uh, from the point you said, you can do it. And now we're at the rooftop. <laughs> so the entire time, literally. And she literally just says, like, I guess you can metamorphize Nanao. I didn't know that. And they're like, oh, she's taking this incredibly well. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's 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 like the the high spot. She she doesn't care. She she's like whatever. You're still my friend. You look normal now. I don't care. Says, and says don't quit the biology club because I can't lose a helping member. Yeah. So Tyle's like, hey, I told you, you know, you're normal. Um, but then she they think that oh she might have discovered that they're actually siblings, uh, which would be bad because Tyle's cover would be blown. But she's like, do you want to join our club? And so. I thought that this was a nice little aside, little side story, and uh, it was nice to see more into one of the, you know, family members' lives. Like, yeah, this. So. it's a very cute little chapter. I enjoy that we got like a full thing. There was no cute uh, Kichiro or anything like that that popped up. Oh. You know, we didn't have any like extra nonsense. Just a legitimately kind of heartwarming story, and I, I really enjoy that. I would like to see more stuff like this of, you know, Tayo bonding and becoming closer with the other members of the family. Yeah. So. All right. Mori King. <sighs> so. <laughs> last time a fucking beetle showed up as a naked man and that and he's the main character and he's going to be king of the insects. And we get like our actual plot hook in this, which is that there are probably other insects that are like him in the world that he's going to have to defeat in order to become the king of the animal kingdom. And this kind of thing only happens once every a thousand years, apparently. And then there's discussion where the parents actually show up and uh, they're like, 
well, you have to let us keep Mori King. And Sho is like, why is there a boy in our house? Oh, Shoko, are you, you are you allowing, is this degenerate, you know, your boyfriend? Are you saying that we should actually, you know, let him stay in our house? And they have to come and they call a family council meeting, basically, in order to decide whether or not to uh, let Mori King stay there. And uh, the dad is really against it. Uh, but um, the mom is just like, can you take care of him and be a good pet owner? And she was like, yeah, I can. OK. And then she's like, you did a good job. And I can. And, you know, I know that you saved uh, my daughter. So you, 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 that's all I need to call you family. And uh, basically, Shoko refuses to um, take her dad's side because she's kind of disgusted by him. And so, yay, the plot is resolved. So Mori King is fine staying there. Yep. It's a chapter. It sure is. Um, you know, like how I mentioned before that last week's chapter felt like it should have just been a one shot. Mm-hmm. I felt so much more confident in that after reading this chapter. I'm like, everything from the last chapter was pretty much thrown away to start up a new premise where it's like, uh, he has to fight other bugs to mm-hmm. prove himself to be the best bug guy. And, uh, 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 maybe he has to pretend to be married to the girl or uh something. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's it's very goofy and I don't know. Like, there's a part of me. It's like, do you bother getting any level invested in it? Can you like? I'd be curious if there's anybody out there who's legitimately like. I'm kind of excited to see more of this. Wow. All right, Nick, let's talk about We Never Learn. Question 156. Oh, X equals Thumbelina Supercomputer Part 6. Ouch. I st- I, I, Nick, I, I stubbed my finger. Can you take over? <laughs> I will fly to Pennsylvania <laughs> and touch your face. Oh, no, not my face. Um, <laughs> so last chapter, Seki Joe's mother showed up. And yep. Mama Seki Joe's like, hey, you know, thanks for letting me stand, spend the night. I'm making breakfast for you all. And they're like, yeah, it, it's fine. Don't worry about it. We can take care of ourselves. Um, and then Seki Joe's like, wait, no. Or Seki Joe's mom's like, wait, no, let me do it. I just want you to be free to do whatever you want. And she falls forward and does the thing where she grabs both girls by their pants and pulls them down. Does and- no one in this series zip up their pants? Or wear belts? Or I don't like... It's one of those things. Seiko Joe seems to have a belt on, I think. It looks like but she it doesn't has, seem to do any good. Her pants at least have belt loops on them. Yeah. But it's it's always like I don't want to examine that shot too closely because <laughs> of what I'll end up doing. So I'll just it's one of those things where like it's such an impressive fluid movement to snatch pants and clean jerk them down. Two pairs one, simultaneously. Yeah. So. It's, I mean, I guess the skirt's not that hard. It makes you know? more sense. Yeah, yeah, but a pair of pants, and then to not disturb the shirt at all. That's a very mm-hmm. key detail. And at that point, I was like, man, this is going to be a dumb chapter, and I wasn't prepared. Um, so they're just like, hey, sorry, thanks for all that. And Uega's like, wow, you know, thanks for uh, including me in all this. And, uh, Second Joe's like, hey, look, I apologize. I know my mother's like kind of an extra hassle and it's inconveniencing you even, Uega. And he's like, oh, no, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I'm really, I'm fine. And you talk about how last night we cut over to where that conversation was last week, where it's like, wait, you're going to move back home? And Second Joe's like, yeah, I mean, if she 
doesn't want to, of course. I don't, you know, I don't want to force her to. And her mom explains, like, actually, I'm running away from home, so I was wondering if Sekijo wanted to live with me, just, just, you know, just the two of us. And they're like, wait, why are you running away? She's like, well, I decided to separate from my husband. Whoa! Heaviness. And then the flashback ends. And basically, just like, why are you guys so serious? And Sekijo's basically like, you know, it's not that rare these days for a couple to separate, you know, our families. All about people being free to make their own choices, and I'll do as I wish, too. I told my mother I'd live with her, and I could still pay rent and come here every day. So it's not really that big of an issue. And Yuiga's like, hey, wait. She's like, no, it's it's decided. So we better finish up Ogata's game before my mom finds this new apartment, you know? I'm gonna... I'm going to convenience store to make some copies of the ideas we wrote last night, and uh, I'm going to work on it. So she flies off really quickly, and everyone's like, huh. We cut over to Second Joe. She didn't go to the copy store. She's over at an arcade, and she's doing the claw machine. She sees a text conversation she's currently having with her dad where she asked him, hey, mom says she's moving out. Are you okay? And he's like, ah, well, if that's what she decided, there's nothing I can do. Like apparently this is how he's finding out yeah. by the wording there. So that's cool. Yeah. And a little girl's like, hey, can I have a turn? Um, I'm not sure what happens here because the girl goes, huh? And then the next panel was the girls walking away being like, it's just a crane game. No need to be so emotional. We don't actually get to see what Sekijo did. I assume she was just vacantly kind of like zeroed in. But it feels like I there was a panel assumed when I here. read it. I assumed when I read it that she was crying. But when it shows her later, she's not crying. But then again, the next time we see her face, time has passed because there's like, you know, a time lapse panel where it cuts outside and then cuts back in. But, yeah, it is weird, you know, that there is that that's like the only context that she has been emotional is yeah. that someone said she was being emotional so i assume that she did something that just doesn't seem to be like any actual visual cue that it happened outside of the girl being like no need to get so emotional a lot of people are saying mm. yeah she's crying and I'm, I'm not saying she's not i'm just saying there's nothing that visually indicates she's crying besides the little girl saying she's stop being so emotional basically yeah. um as you said time passes Sega's like what am i even doing here Uega and Ogata show up. They're like, yeah, that's what we're trying to say. And they're like, yeah, well, you didn't come home, so we were worried. And <sighs> Uega, Ogata's like, hey, how did you know she'd be here? Uega's like, oh, there was a bit of an information leak. And Ghost Girl had taken Sekijo's cell phone and texted the information to where she was to Uega. So... You know, the ghost girl cares. She really wants to make sure that the people who live at that house are, are happy. Uh, and she's, you know, Sekiro's like, hey, you know, you guys worry too much. I just got sidetracked by these games on my way home. I'm I'm about to pop back. And the little ghost girl, Masao, is like, she's lying. She was very sad. And that girl said she was being emotional. Didn't you hear her? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ogata grabs her hand and just says, hey, Soako, games are supposed to be fun. I'm dense when it comes to human emotions, so if I've got the wrong idea, I'm willing to believe you. But if you're really in pain, but pretending otherwise, that tells me, you know, that you don't trust me enough to open up to me, and that'll make me want to cry. Is that okay with you? It's kind of a weird way to open up to, like, 
That's a very threatening manipulative. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a very manipulative way of, of doing that. But I get this it, whole entire so thing. Like, by the way, well, I'll get into that point later. Never mind. So, well, we, we go to the flashback. We heard before about uh, Sekiro getting her chemistry set, and they're like, "Wow, you know, here you go. It's gonna you're gonna be a smart kid." And they're like, "Oh, cool." And Sekiro says, "I think that gift got me started at being studious at school. It made me happy to see my parents smile whenever I brought home good grades." And then we see her saying, but, and someone say, like, her parents are fighting. She spends the school day, you know, the school day at the nurse's office. How could you let this happen to poor, our, our poor daughter? Oh, so this is my fault. Basically, it becomes marriage story a little bit where you just kind of are watching a, a, a relationship break down. And Sekijo says it was around that time that things started to go off track. And, uh. Sekijo walks in, her parents are fine. He's like, Dad, Mom. They're like, oh, hey, what's up? What's up, kiddo? Hey, it's almost your birthday. What do you, what do you want for your birthday? Everything's fine. Oh, man. Fighting. <laughs> Whew, it's a brutal moment. And uh, she thinks back to the be free to do whatever you want. On the surface, it sounds like such a nice thing for parents to say. But like bumping up against an injury, it felt symptomatic of the distance between us. Everyone leaves me. Even my family fell apart because of me. It was my fault. So, Second Joe's even saying, I'll do what you want, so please do what you want to, too, you know? And, uh, thinking back to her mom separating, so she's like, you know, that's just how it is. And Second Joe's like, you know, what can I do? It's just easier to pretend that it doesn't hurt. And then we get the Ghost Girls flashback, Nick. Because legitimately, Ogata is the least relevant character in her entire arc. So as we get into chapter six of X equals the dead ghost girl with a puppet <laughs> and the potentially lesbian best friend. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it's just uh, the, it's her parents saying, hey, you want like a toy? Do you want anything? And uh, the little girl being like, I want a friend. Just kidding. I want a doll. Yeah, that's what I want. And then she died. <laughs> yeah, legit. Um, so second, just like, well, I shared a lot of stuff today. I feel a lot better. Let's go on home. Uh, Ghost girl's like, hey, and grabs your wig. And is like, I want to help her. And I, someone might have to explain exactly how this happens. Because I didn't totally follow this next chain of events. Ogata says, I know it's ludicratic to get involved in another family's private matters, but it isn't some stranger. It's Sekijo. I don't know how, but I want to help her too. And I guess the and then, ghost And then girl... Yuiga's like, well, then Yuiga's like, what's ludicratic? Do you mean ludicrous? Because like, sometimes Ogata uses the wrong words for things. And then and the then ghost girl, she said, she said, because she said, I want to help Sawako, too. Then she literally realizes, why did I say two? OK, so she's just it was just a moment where she must have heard the ghost girl. I thought the ghost girl was possessing her because you see, like, the energy level around Ogata in the next panel. And you see something around the little girl, too. And I was like. Did the little girl take over Ogata to make her want to help Sekijo? That makes, I guess, more sense. Probably could have been presented in a bit clearer way. But yeah. um, and he's like, hey, you know, yeah, she's not a stranger. She's our friend. You know, let's do this. They, they both say she's our dear friend. 
Um, yes. So there you go, Chris. Well, the bet isn't that Ogata has the hots for her. It's a Damn second shit. Shit does. <laughs> uh, I thought I could that in. <laughs> sneak it in. I'm like, hey, I guess he got me. But that's essentially the so, chapter. So, Chris, yes. I know we've been harping on this point for a while. But this is part six, right, of this mm-hmm. saga? Okay. The Ephemeral Mermaid, part six. Do you remember what happened in it? So there were, I think there was two to three chapters where they were just like spending time at the cabin. And then after that, it was kind of Uega starting to have to think about his relationship. And then we got the flashback. So I think maybe at this point we were starting to get into the flashback of him and his little sister. Six. Part six was Uruka was at the airport and was about Ogata and Fumino letting go of Uiga and telling him he should go after Uruka and him running off. Which is weird. There's not that many chapters after that. No, I mean, there's like a chapter of him rushing to get to her and then. Uh, there might have been two chapters actually of him rushing to get to her, and then a chapter where they talk and they confess, and then there, then there were nine chapters total of the ephemeral princess, and then there was a follow up chapter, which was basically the the the, 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 the future ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are at that point in the story, and the only times that we have addressed the relationship. Between Ogata and Uiga, which is what this story is allegedly about, have been them saying they play a game where they get, you know, kind of intimate with each other sometimes. Yeah, they pretend to be a couple sometimes. There has been no development of those feelings. I don't know if Susui literally was just like, well, how the fuck do I get Ogata and Uiga together? And just gave up or what? (laughs) Because I mean, look, I'm very happy about the fact that we got some more about Sekijo. This is a great chapter for Sekijo. Like, it's very painful, you know, uh, not to like reveal too much. But like the being children of divorced couples is not an uncommon thing. I think both of us can relate to it. Both our parents, uh, both of us have separated parents and it sucks. Like, you know, going so um and it's really bad in Sekijo's case because she f- actually blames herself for them not being in love anymore which of course is bullshit mm. you know um but you can see like the way that her weird mind works and it's you know you gotta think like oh my god you know she's got to have been dealing with that for forever because you know by the time that her mom says like yeah we're getting separated she's like yeah okay you know like yeah the actual news of them getting separated isn't what hurts her. It's just, you know, her acknowledging the reality of what's been going on this whole time. Um, and then, yeah, you throw in freaking the uh, uh, Misao's, uh, you know, like the little look of like she was sick in the hospital and was alone with no friends. And it's like, oh, <laughs> it's such a weird like it's it's astonishing. Like, it, I really almost want to be able to time jump forward like four months to when we're halfway through the Femino arc to just see right. where that is. Cause it's mind boggling of me to think right now 
that somewhere out there there's a fervent Ogata fan that's just like, no, this ending's just as canon as the other ones, the Yuruka one. You're like, how? There is almost nothing about Aruka in this chapter. Uh, Ogata. Ogata, sorry, uh, yeah. Now, I will say, I don't think that necessarily each of these stories have to be about how Yuiga and the girl got together. Yeah. But allegedly... The premise that was pitched to everyone when the announcement was made was this is the story of Yuiga and this girl being together if this was the canon girl. So is it just going to be now, even if Yuiga and Ogato were like a legitimate romantic couple, but the story had very little to do with them, it was just them as a couple dealing with this. That would make more sense to me. If they were like, this is, you know, a snippet from their life as a couple, then this where they're not technically a couple, they're kind of moving towards it. But then the entire story is about everything else and not addressing that at all. So it's weird. It's very strange. And like, and that at the same time, I'm happy that we're getting this stuff for Seiki Joe because she's, you know. She's kind of a favorite of the podcast because yeah. of her, uh, because of the piece of that, but also because she's a memorable character. So, all right, let's move on to talk about Dr. Stone. Time Legitimately, to get I can't remember very much about this chapter, Chris. They eat bur- it's called burger. Z equals 148 pioneers of Earth. Um, they have arrived in America and they're like, ah, land of Las Vegas, uh, where people pushed a truck. For a long time in order to get good at being offensive linemen. Um, they do address the point where they were like, we came up with that lie that Lillian, you know, was from, you know, a, a United States that had been been petrified. But before we came here, there was still, you know, that kind of like tiny part of ourselves that was holding out hope that maybe the rest of the world uh, was fine or somewhere else in the world was fine. And instead we get here and there's all these petrified statues and uh, they have to come up with a theory for why there's all these statues in a row g- going out into the into the water. And they're like, it's because the San Francisco Bridge used to be here and it's fucking decayed away to nothing, which I'm not sure exactly how well bridges hold up after 5000 years, because there's literally no glimpse of anything. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, but they're like, let's go get some fucking corn. Uh, and they get on their smaller vehicles and uh, sail off down a stream and they're going to follow it towards uh, Sacramento. Uh, and uh, Senku's like, fortunately, you know, we've got a little bit more time because of the way that the Earth's axis is a little bit different. So, you know, winter is going to be a little bit later, uh, which is nice. Uh, then the downside, however, is that the ecosystem's been affected in weird ways. So let's hope that no beasts decide to attack. And Tsukasa and Kohaku are like, actually, it would be great if a weird beast attacked. And Ginro's like, mm-hmm. Wait, why are you talking about <laughs> Because they're freaks who kill lions for fun, you know? Yeah. So, sure enough, fucking alligators show up and attack. So, Yay! They're very large, too. Giant alligators, which I've heard is very true that when alligators are undisturbed by humanity and kind of just left to be that way, they can get extraordinarily large. There you go. 
Uh, fortunately, Sukasa, the boat that Sukasa's on, they learned how to jump it out of the water so that they can have a cool midair shot of all of them flying through the air. And, uh, the alligators are basically doing the, you know, animal speak joke, uh, that, uh, Dr. Stone does occasionally. They're going, ah, oh, meat, meat. But Kohaku and Yo look at them and go, meat. And, uh, yeah. So we don't even actually see the fight, really. We just see the fighters all jumping forward with their weapons drawn. And then it cuts to everyone around a campfire cooking up as uh, Francois cooks up gator burgers. I do like how people in their chat are pointing out that this is supposed to be like the West Coast. So somehow like alligators navigated across the it's Rocky like 5, Mountains. 5,000 years, guys! <laughs> yeah, but they got over the mountain, the Rocky Mountains? They went around the fucking Panama Canal. Why not? Uh, yeah, right, you know, that makes sense. Um... I, I do have a small annoyance with like the big everybody fights group shot. I do think it's kind of cool at first that we see Yo in the boat, like in the air. So it's like, oh, is Yo kind of part of the fight team? Now, I guess he's just kind of part of the I want to eat meat team. Um, but Kinra in there. Kinra's in there. He? But it's do we have to like shove the two girls into one panel they couldn't get their own individual ones or just give kohaku her own individual one ah, that bothers me where it's just like i'll hey, we'll just shove the girls together they get they get theirs it's like which know. panel are you talking about when they show the different characters eyes so like you could see sukasa's eye and hyoga's eye and i guess that's moses eye and then you see amarasu and kohaku in the same panel and then fucking fancy sword dude gets his own of the eyes on page 14. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was not even paying attention to that bit at all. I was looking at the group shot next to it. <laughs> yeah, I, anyway. it was just one of those ones. I was like, ah, oh, come on. Can't, they can't like either give Kohaku oh, or no own panel Kohaku. or just like make them separate. Kind of, you know, now that you talk about it, it is kind of a nice little uh, thing that you, they're like, oh, these characters all have very distinct eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, I get your point. Uh, so they've carved up the gators. Uh, Francois is has made gator burgers. Um, and then as Tsukasa is carving up one of the gators, he pulls out its stomach and he's like, the gator swallowed this whole and it's a fucking ear of corn. You know, like gators eat. So, <laughs> um, Senku's like, we made the cutoff. The seeds reviving all of humanity must be upriver. Next is Corn City. All right. Nobody ate the, ga- the gator burger. Uh, or had it, there was no big reaction to eating gator burgers. They just ate them and were like, this is good. Yeah. Kind of uh, disappointing. Pro tip to everybody. If you're making burgers, you gotta make sure you toast those buns. I don't know. Doesn't look like they were specifically toasted. And uh, Francois, very it's a big failure. Thick burger. Yeah, you want to toast that bun. You want to give that some crunch, some texture crunch. Also, I'm not really sure how they're eating it the way that they are. Like, because they're they're basically, you know, they're doing the whole, you know, like take the big thick burger in both your hands and chow into it. But Chrome appears to have unhinged his jaw in order to bite into his. Mm-hmm. Whereas Kohaku is like nibbling on the top bun. Yeah, well, she's doing one of those things where you take a big burger and you bite into the top, like f- like a little top part of the, like maybe the patty and then the bun and the rest of it you leave untouched. So you eat yeah. up and down like a fucking apple. 
is that how you eat apples? Uh, yeah, that's how most humans eat apples, right? I take I take the apple and I turn that some bitch sideways and bite into it. So, yeah, well, it's just the idea that you would eat like you would take this, and you're not just going to eat like you don't eat an apple where you eat like from top to bottom in one bite like a burger, you know? Like you take a bite and then you're like, I'm gonna go up and down and like around, you know, stuff like that. It's like an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> i have never heard someone describe eating an apple as like an adventure but here we are uh all right Use a, actually now that i've it's been a long time staring at that burger i kind of want one so anyway. i know it's, it's a moment where i'm like ooh, maybe i'll make something like nap too because it's a fucking triple stacker it's like oh geez. it's it's very it's very extensive you should save some for everybody else you're, you're everyone's really gonna heavy. be massively sluggish. shitting after eating those things real sluggish too you're really gonna feel it the next morning mm -hmm. all right let's move on to to chainsaw man <laughs> chapter 67 the first devil hunter so it's a really weird opening to this as the two guys who were knocked out of the building before you know everyone was warped to hell are just hanging out while the young guy's octopus keeps all the puppets at bay, and they're just hanging out on one of its tentacles, chatting casually. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, they're you know sharing some details and stuff like that, and um, the, what is this guy? Mad Dog? I think was his name or something like that, or Wolf? I forget. Uh, he's like. Hey, be careful about sticking your nose where it doesn't belong because, you know, he's mentioned uh, they're talking about Makima and he's like, are you sure Makima is not listening? He's like, no, 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 I had octopus check and there's no, you know, small animals that she would borrow the hearing of nearby. And he's like, well, all right, be careful about sticking your nose where it doesn't belong. And he says, I don't have time to do that. I have finals coming up. Oh, yeah, you're still in high school, aren't you? And he's like, are you an idiot? So everyone in series is weird, yeah. basically how it is denji is in his chainsaw double form and his is fighting against my uh, not makima my mistake santa claus in her weird doll chimera form uh he's chopped he manages to chop some of her limbs off but um the building kind of collapses some more after all the shit that it's been through uh and um not sure exactly what happens, but seemingly Denji fell and it's because he gets up and he's like, ow. Uh, and Santa gets up and she says, look at me. My wounds healed instantly in the darkness. This body was half a year from death, yet it regenerates splendidly now. So apparently she wasn't lying to Toko about the fact that she was going to die soon. Yeah. So. so Denji responds with less talking, more fighting. What do you hey, he's him? fair. You know what? I like it. He jumps towards her, and then Santa is replaced by a bunch of her puppets, or maybe they jumped in and interfered. I'm not sure. So uh, a bunch of them are coming towards him. And he's like, ah, fuck. Uh, so we cut outside to where Chuan Ji, her head is being held by. Uh, one of her remaining girlfriends, because uh, seemingly those two that had their heads chopped off didn't survive. I'm shocked. 
Um, it's the stitched together girl, the one who can't talk, as opposed to the Halloween obsessed one. So stitched together demon girl flips up Chuan Chi's eye patch and reaches into her head and yanks out an arrow. I guess it's an arrow. I thought it was a knife at first, but there is like it's a like feathers. a knife. Well, yeah, I think it's just like almost the kind of dynamic angle we're looking at makes the arrowhead look a lot longer. But I guess maybe it makes it's more a sense. Dart. Or maybe it's supposed to be just a blade. I guess it's arrows. She has like kind of an arrow mohawk, and then and like when she becomes really a full form. big dart. Hang on, I'm googling something. <laughs> Well, now I just got a shot of a really large Nerf gun, so that didn't help me at all. <laughs> By the way, uh, my brother had a dartboard, and so before this quarantine, uh, I had a couple of my friends over for D&D, and we were waiting for the last player to show up. So we're like, hey, you want to play some darts? And we're like, hey, why don't we throw on some music? So I typed dart music into oh, YouTube. No. Uh, no, no, it's not like uh, like a, a, a horrible thing. So we got like an actual, I guess, like what's considered like a dart theme song. But one of the other videos was uh, World Championship Dart Entrances. And I love it because dudes coming out for the World Championship Dart Entrances come out like wrestling stars. They're like, boo doo 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 And it's these kind of chubby middle-aged guys in polos. In a very small audience. Like it's, I'm not trying to shit on like darts as a professional sport or anything like that. But it's not like a huge stadium where you're in front of like hunt like tens of thousands of people it looked like there was like maybe like 150 people around so it's one of those things it's like interesting i i love the idea of like bravado for it's kind of cool it's amazing the kind of influence that professional wrestling has had on that kind of thing so you know people want to come out to big entrances for you know for example like esports and stuff like that yeah there's all that pop circumstance for something that seems very out of place for almost everything besides wrestling basically <laughs> the league of legends world was lit a flare when faker rolled is like did a a two second roll during his introduction at the world championship and you think back two to that seconds well i mean no i that's, just mean it was a very quick extended, roll and that, that, i mean two well two seconds is actually a pretty long roll so I, how I, far I, was he rolling no i just mean like it's a very quick roll it wasn't like a okay. like, it wasn't like he extended the roll it was like it was a real quick like somersault thing but everyone was blown away at the time they're like such showmanship such bravado and you're like i mean i guess so for a bunch of like guys who are gonna hang around a computer the rest of the day i guess it was kind of cool I mean, who was that guy who did the you can't see me thing and he became instantly recognizable because of it? So yeah. <laughs> it's amazing, you know, because I mean, I think that so many of them are just so like cued in that they're just like, OK, <laughs> so yeah. any bit of showmanship really stands out. Anywho, so. um, After pulling this spike dagger arrow knife, whatever. Stitched together, a devil girl throws Chuanchi's head down as Denji comes flying out of the building, pursued by approximately two dozen puppet people. And Chuanchi's head is dropped into the pile as Denji goes, and I quote, ouch, ow, 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 ow. And then holes start appearing in the puppets as a 
crossbow question mark devil appears next to Denji. Because it turns out she has uh, this kind of devil power, uh, the same as him and uh, Rays. So there you go. Uh, and she starts taking body chunks out of everything. Denji, of course, goes, who are you? And she's like, hey, Chainsaw Man, give me a hand until I kill that devil. That bastard killed my women. Well, okay, then. So, are they all dead? Is Halloween still alive? I don't think that she's dead. It, look, it, it looks like the one killed herself bringing her back. So, or maybe she is still around. I don't know. I thought there was something that maybe suggests she died in the process she of that. She drops her head and, and we don't see her again. Okay. So. so I guess there's potentially still two alive, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, the two without their heads, I think we are definitely meant to believe are dead. So, uh, so Chanchi says that the dolls are powered up. So it's, so it's probably pointless to take them out without killing the master doll. And then she's like, well, either that or I could cut them up so they won't come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Denji, master of of the very simple approach. But uh, <laughs> Chuanchi disappears between panels as the as the puppets are coming towards them. And Denji's like, all right, watch my back. Oh, you're gone. <laughs> I'm, I'm so curious to see because it reminds me. I love that Fujimoto feels very much like eh, rules don't apply to me. So my main new cool character is going to be like a bunch of arrows on a naked woman's body. (laughs) And uh, I don't know, go fuck yourself when you decide if you want to animate this. I'm going to be curious to see if next chapter she finds like a real tiny leotard to put on. Like when they were like, "Uh, Reze can't run around in this fight with no underwear on. This is going to be really hard. You can, you can just be like, uh, just paint her body white like you do with Toga whenever she's naked. True. So, it's a very weird thing because she flat out says, I'm naked when I do this. And it's like, well, you look like you're wearing a bodysuit when you, you all right, whatever. So, <laughs> so Santa Claus is walking down a hallway somewhere, presumably going to go and kill fucking Makima because that's what she was trying to do. But then spikes fly out. And blow her body to bits. And um, let's see here. I think this is Chuanchi saying, I didn't anticipate you joining us. But uh, Santa responds, it's an honor to meet the human who was known as the first devil hunter. More stuff flies through the air, blows her body apart. It reforms again. And uh, she's like, huh. Well, I can spread my sense of pain across the other dolls so that I just tickled. Now, how do I hunt an invisible hunter? As for little Chainsaw, can you kill these dolls? As all the puppets that she has created start to take on their human characteristics again, and they're all going, Oh God, what happened to my arms? It's a devil! (laughs) And Denji says, For real? Come on! This is that move the super evil villains use! (laughs) not wrong oh yes it is <laughs> very right uh it's a fun chapter it is really cool it's a big cool like reintroduction for kwan Z. uh it's just very solid fun and interesting yeah it's uh it's kind of weird so i was thinking this after the when i actually first read this chapter and so i know that people were like it's not like bleach at all but I have to say this, when you read Chainsaw Man chapter to chapter, 
it tends to a lot of times in these moments, it's just, you know, an action scene Mm -hmm. and a lot of stuff happens. There's very little dialogue. This was like the most dialogue heavy chapter that we gotten in a few weeks and there was still not a lot in it. Um, And, you know, chapters just kind of end and then begin. Uh, There's not, you know, like a lot of other chapters you get where there's like, you know, one big cliffhanger that they end on or something. And even with this, the cliffhanger was like, well, now the devils have human parts and stuff. So that said, I hated whenever Bleach did this, uh, especially towards the end. Um, I just, you know, got sick of it, you know, just kind of like being, you know, a, a chapter happened, whatever. Yeah. Chainsaw Man, I've, I haven't, I don't think there's been a bad chapter since we started covering it, though. And oh, it does this a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, it goes to show that there's, you know, no wrong method to writing manga. It's just you either do it well or you don't, or rather people like it when or or they don't when it's done. So, yeah. Fun times. Let's move on, Nick. Black Clover, page 230 or 248. Uh, Luck versus I can't read his name. Shvendkit. I don't know. Who cares? He dies. Uh, So we start with Asta introducing Luck and Magma to the Heart Kingdom. And he says, yeah, I brought Black Bull Special Assault Duo. Uh, and they're like, all right, well, here, I'm going to give you, teach you how to create runes from natural mana. Because, you know, unless you do this, you won't be able to create an array. And it's me kind of being like, what the hell is an array? It's fine. They're introducing it now. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. Was this explain why I wasn't paying attention? Oh, no, no. They're explaining it now. <laughs> oh, no, no. This is a new thing, I guess. Uh, so, Magma is having a lot of difficulty doing this, and uh, what's his name, Giz or whatever, is like, yeah, I, this guy's man is too low. You're like about a stage five, and you have to be at least a stage three to do a raise. And he's like, oh, hey, look, uh, Luck's really, really good at it. So he's just drawing. He's just like writing down butts over and over again. Yeah, it's <laughs> just dick butts in the air. Uh, so Magma starts stomping out. And Ast is about to go after him when Lux Never is like, see him again. Yeah. <laughs> Lux like, hey, just leave him be. If he lets this stop him from getting stronger, then that means that was all he was worth. Which isn't a nice thing to say, but when you kind of re- remember that they're supposed to have like kind of a very rivalry friendship, it makes more sense. Mm-hmm. So kind of like that. Uh, Honestly, if Magna just didn't come back, I still feel like I'd be fine because oh, yeah. we've got three other characters, four other characters who are on the good guy's side who use flame magic. So, <laughs> yeah, Magma's at the real misfortune of being uh, the low uh, totem on the pole, so to speak. Uh, Gija, whatever his name is, explains. He's like, hey, you form a race with ruins. It lets you issue simple orders to magic, like pursue or, for example, grow bigger. I don't know why this is being introduced. Magic has not seemed to require this sort of thing to this point. But they're sort of like, hey... I guess this explains how Zora makes such intricate traps. He's telling it to do very specific things. They don't really yes. reference him too much in here, aside from the fact that they wanted to bring him- to keep you out of your mind, Chris, because he's the guy in the Spade Kingdom. Well, they do bring him up, but they mention they wanted it, to bring. My point has been immediately <laughs> refuted. <laughs> they wanted to bring him, but he's too much of a loner. So, yeah. Um, Anyway, he says, think up an array that will suit your combat style. And they're like, hey, thanks for teaching me how to use lightning magic. 
And there's a small thing about like, hey, the way I use it's different from the way you use it. So, you know, put those to work together and create a magic all your own. Skin dude's like, ha, you can't beat me just by being speedy. So uh, Luck uses his array to make himself even faster. And skin guy's like, it's not going to work. My skin defense detects magic and activates right away automatically. Because that's a rule that's kind of like. It's like Rock Lee versus Gara, uh-huh. where, you know, like Rock Lee had to just go faster and faster because Gara's automatic defense would just block him. So, yeah, uh, it's a little less cool because the whole Rock Lee automatic defense thing was kind a of a little less cool. Yeah, <laughs> well, Nick, this is this is kind of like the Rock Lee versus Gara of the Black Clover universe, right? It's like on the same level. Oh, I mean, this guy, this this skin magic guy has been built up so well as an antagonist, uh-huh. and uh, he's definitely not going to be defeated in such a uh, low level battle. So, uh, so skin guy is like pretty cute trick or pretty clever trick, cutie. Uh, but in that case, let me show you how clever I could be too. And he makes guns out of his skin, and I'm like, man, I guess that's clever, <laughs> really. <laughs> and now I'll shoot my own flesh at you. I mean, you can if you want to. Are you sure, though? <laughs> I'm like, is that clever? I don't really know. Um, Aha! I'll get you eventually. Oh, I'm starting to slow down. I'm losing a lot of blood <laughs> for some reason. I should stop shooting my organs at you. Um, Lux, you know, ping-ponging around. Zip, 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 zip. And uh, Skin Guy's like, well, he's using up so much magic doing this, he can't last much longer. And then once that happens, I'll mess him up real. And Luck says get faster and he kicks him in the stomach and skin guy's like what no that was just a tiny little bit of damage but that still kind of hurt how is this boy faster than my skin detection and skin guy's like all right well i'll lock down my defense as hard as it can be now you're never gonna put a dent on me and luck is like it looks like he's almost like a mile away he's a real long distance away and he says get faster and we see five arrays behind him and skin guy's like what in the world no my skin negates your magic there's no way that's gonna and luck zooms past using the spell true lightning magic serados and he punches a hole straight through this guy literally turned himself into a piercing spear of light He's dead. He has to be dead. There's no way this skin guy could still be alive. <laughs> a, a lightning bolt shot through his torso. So Yeah. Um, then Lux says, thanks. That was fun. Man, I'm so glad that Luck was able to uh, complete that uh, training that uh, was set up so long ago to uh, master true lightning. I wasn't <laughs> sure if he was going to be able to do it. <laughs> I'm I, sick of Black Clover, so, you know, whatever. That's I actually, I do kind of like this chapter. I really, I like the visual, specifically, of Luck setting up the arrays and launching himself from, like, a mile away and that, like, finishing blow. I think that's really cool. Uh, the whole, here is, you gotta do arrays, because they add to your mat. Like, I just don't understand what it's meant to really accomplish. It feels like a weird complication to add into things that doesn't even pay off in this chapter. What did he tell the spells, like, the magic to do that's different from... He told, he told them to get him faster, Chris. I guess. Maybe he just added, he just wrote faster over and over again, and eventually it worked. I feel as though if this were in a series that were... had a better 
handle on its concepts and techniques and stuff that, you know, this whole arrays thing would be given a much more intense explanation and you would see like more complicated stuff come out of it. But the problem is that as is, there are so many ways that mages can do everything that I, I just don't really see the point of introducing a new mechanic because it's like, well, okay, yeah, but I mean, I've seen a guy, you know, use one type of magic to copy another form of magic. So you can always just do whatever anyway. So I, if I, I do agree with you that I think that the fight itself was, you know, it was a fun little thing. Hmm. Uh, and I do like the idea that I do like the sentiment that God just shared with luck of like, just because we both use lightning magic, you specialize in using it in an entirely different way than I do. So it's there's no point in me trying to teach you how to do this thing that I do. You should make your own way of doing it. It's like, yeah, okay, that's yeah. cool. Um, and it was like, all right, you know, nice quick little fight. You know, speed versus brawn, offense versus defense, mm-hmm. cool, whatever. It's just the pace that Black Clover always sets for itself, where it's just like, here's a setup, paid it off, same chapter, boom, done. And it's like, it's, uh, I, I literally can't get invested, you know, so. yeah. because the payoff happens right when the investment happens. So. All right. One Piece Chapter 978 introducing the Toby Rappo. You'll never guess what happens in this chapter, Chris. The Toby Rappo get introduced. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, the invasion proceeds. Uh, the Straw Hats, the Samurai, the crews, they all get into Onigashima, which has very poor building layout there. Where does it, are there sidewalks anywhere? Basically, <laughs> it seems like the buildings are on top of each other everywhere. Uh, it is kind of a cool thing because you can see where like the Wano and the, you know, Kaido designs have kind of like intruded on each other a bit. Uh, but yeah, um, they're in Kaido's lair. Kinemon says that, you know, there's nobody at alert. So that means that Kondro hasn't reported in yet. So our sneak attack is still possible. Uh, there's a bunch of guards uh, that aren't really paying attention. Luffy, not Luffy, sorry. Uh, Usopp shoots uh, a sleep uh, plant thing over and uh, puts them all to sleep so that they can't raise an alarm. Um, the samurai all sink their ships after disembarking. Uh, and he's like, yeah, on this mission, we ha- we have no return ships. Chopper and Usopp freak out a little bit, and Usopp's like, we don't need to do that to the Sunny, do we? And Reggie's like, no! <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. <laughs> and and Jimbei says, I mean, come on, we can we can hide if there's hide them if there's just a couple of ships. So just disembark. It'll be fine. Um, also, I think it's very different to, you know, have your specialized freaking galleon be sank as opposed to the things that Frankie whipped up over the course of a week. Yeah. So, uh, people proceed uh, uh, into Onigashima. Uh, Ch- Chopper observes that uh, there is a gateway that has been set up by Kinemon, and as people pass through it, his devil fruit gives them, you know, a cloak and horns so that they look like uh Animal Kingdom Pirates soldiers. Completely uh, forgot so, that Kinemon has a double fruit. Abs- every time he reveals, I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. Looking forward to the time that he somehow eventually manages to weaponize it because it's like, how do you... Hmm. <laughs> uh, Nick, he's going to transform everyone into hot fetish outfits. 
that are upgrades of their uh, samurai forms that gives them cooler weapons. It's called Urza Scarlet. Ever heard of her? I'm sorry. I'm so uncultured. I know. So, um, Pokemon says that, you know, like, if the garb should be removed or damaged, you will return to your original clothes. So, presumably, Luffy's not going to have a fight entirely in this weird horned form. Uh, which is fine because I don't really like all these different characters being in this aesthetic. It's kind of boring. So. Yeah. Uh, we cut to where but Kaido's it does give are... the option for a cool moment where a character's like has a big reintroduction and they come out through smoke and they're in their original attire. That's gonna be dope as fuck. I can't wait for that. We're gonna see like a character going through the smoke, probably Sanji, and he's gonna be like. And he's gonna move his cigarette. And you know, I just want Hunter again. I just want him to do it. I'm a hunter. He kicks Giant Burr in the face. <laughs> <laughs> so Queen's forces have gathered. We we get Queen there. And he does his whole big introduction where he's like, Oh, if I get any thinner, I'll steal all your hearts. So I choose the way I am. I stay. And everyone shouts, Funky! Oh, man. Queen, the big face, coming in to win the world title belt. Jeez. But uh, then he kind of does a little bit of a, Hey, remember this thing that we established a long time ago that you forgot about because it took place like before the flashback involving uh, Odin. Yeah. So there's the waiters, there's the pleasures, there's the gifters. Then among the gifters, there's the headliners. There you go. There, Those are how the different forces are gathered up. Uh, and then there's the Toby Rappo on top of all of them. And they're just like, we're not participating in your sh- in your in your shout along thing. And Queen's like, eh, they always ignore me, whatever. Um, and also he introduces like, hey, then there's Orochi's forces. There's the samurai. There's the ninja. Uh, and there's, you know, Big Mom's children, too, are, are going to be joining us. And then finally, we cut over to where the Toby Rappo are and they are speaking amongst themselves. We get some shots of their different you know, close-ups of their different features. So, you know, like X, X Drake is there and he's got his, uh, you know, his weird eye patch kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, they're just kind of like talking amongst themselves. Um, they're not really saying anything important. So I'll skip over that and just say that the six members of the Toby Rappo are X Drake and page one. We already knew about a horn well who knows if anyone actually has natural horns among these people uh a girl with a weird face mask thing named ulti a guy with a helmet named who's who fuck yeah that's why i love one piece there's a character named who's who and i'm gonna remember that name so much easier than i am anyone else uh there's a large woman named black maria and then there is a fish man named sasaki definitely looks like a fish man uh, she looks to be a giant, almost, uh, mm-hmm. depending on the scale of how far down she goes, basically. Uh, yeah. This is a super cool group. I'm really excited. They all have some pretty cool designs. Um, I'm kind of hoping they're not a disappointment, like I think a couple of the previous villain groups have been. Now bring out the real Toby Rapa. <laughs> Less like that, and more like, uh, I, I hope this is kind of a return to form of, like, the CP9, and we get really cool fights out of these characters against characters we really care about. My one concern is there's a, there's a shit ton of people in this fight, like, on the I good was, guy's side. 
that was the first reaction that I had. It was like, oh, more characters. Which, when I thought about it, it's like, it's kind of necessary because there's all these different characters on the protagonist side, and there's not a lot of people to match them up against on uh, Orochi and Kaido's side. Hmm. Um, so, I guess it's kind of necessary to introduce more people for the Straw Hats and fucking everyone else to have fights with. There's there's a lot, because you have to consider, we're introduced right now to six characters who are all pretty big. There's there's a possibility that x Drake's not actually evil. I thought there was a clue that we got recently that he might still actually be aligned with the Marines, but I, I might be forgetting something. Uh, everything blends together. But we have these six characters. You have King, Queen, and Jack. You have Kaido himself. Big Mom's there. Big Mom brought a bunch of kids. Like, it's a lot of people to have in this group, and it's, it's going to be interesting seeing how many of these ones are are relevant essentially so we'll see there's a lot i'll be more curious to see how this all kind of lines up um i think the one thing to note is the waiters pleasures gifters and headliners thing i think is it's a good reminder that there's scales this i don't think those characters are going to be particularly notable i think the headliners if i'm not mistaken a couple headliners we saw were like super early on with like rummy and Holdem. like I, i think those were headliners if i'm not mistaken so I think there's a, quite a few of these characters that we're, we're not going to really deal with them. Well, I guess we'll find out, Chris, and yeah. we'll be done with the Wano arc in about three years. So, <laughs> Oof, man, yeah. All right. That's, it's a lot. Uh, yeah, that is going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap, guys. So let us say what our favorites of this week were. Favorite chapter in MVP, Chris. Uh, I give my favorite chapter to I give it to Chainsaw Man I think there were some strong chapters this week um but I don't think there are any that like blew me away but Chainsaw Man was pretty mm-hmm. pretty dope alright uh, oh also I, for- I forgot to note uh, we do see Oppo for like the first fucking time in this chapter of One Piece which I just want to note I thought that was really weird that he got like a really small like he didn't even get like a, a like a focus on it just looked like he was DJing maybe I'm mistaken but I thought that was Oppo so I go ahead I'm a I'm just gonna give mine to uh, we never learn uh, I really like this stuff involving Segi Joe um, because you know it was unexpected that we it took this direction I was not thinking that you know a month and a half ago when it was like oh we're gonna get an Ogato arc I don't think that Anything involving Sekiju is going to go into her troubled home life. But, hey, it's nice to get that depth uh, for her. And it was a pretty emotional chapter by the end of it. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to give my character of the week to Sekiju. I think she she had a really strong focus. I'm a lot more interested into the character and uh, very cool, I think. I'm going to make my MVP present Mike because there was no single character this week who gave me more of a oh, fuck moment because he fucking... He destroys the vat that Shigaraki's in, and then he just fucking punches Ichiko in the face, which was highly unexpected. So, I, I, yeah, very shallow reasons, but I gotta go with it. So, all right, uh, the audience uh, has a tie. Actually, Chainsaw Man, a tie. And Spy Family are the chapters of the week, and Sekijo and Quan Z are the characters of the week. So, so a lot of, people a lot of very things. high on uh, Chainsaw Man this week. Then, yeah, yeah absolutely. And hey. Activision didn't win. <laughs> no, nope. yeah, it's shocking. 
that is going to do it, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the Manga Recap. We record the show on Wednesday evenings, somewhere between 7.30 and 8 p.m. Uh, you can check out our past episodes on weeklymongerecap.podbean.com. We do the live recordings on twitch.tv slash C if you feel like watching the video recordings and stuff. Uh, you can join our Discord server if you want to do all sorts of, you know, reaction things like uh, participate in the audience polls each week on favorite chapter and MVP. Leave suggestions for us to talk about. And you can also check all the things that are kept track of by Ninja X3i. Very helpful to us for those reasons. And there's also other sorts of things in the Discord, different discussions to participate in. Uh, there's a My Hero Academia role playing uh, server, for example. Um, and just, you know, general discussions about cool things. So hang out with people, talk. It's fun. Yeah. It's good uh, special thanks to Steve Bannon, our title artist, to Infamous Planet for making the frame for the Twitch stream of the podcast, and to Winston Cheddar and Milo Jack Stilitz for making the opening sequence of Weekly Manga Recap. And that should be it. Yes. All right. We did it, guys. Let's head on out.